Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam Margulis. of the Pixel Roll Show, we discuss this freaking awesome basketball team, your Washington Wizards. Hello everyone, this is Adam McGinnis, it is February 15th, 2017, hope everyone had a wonderful Valentine's Day, I have a lot of funny stories about February 14th, but this is a long podcast, so I will save you from all those hilarious stories for another time. Since the last time we jammed, uh, the Washington Wizards have defeated the Indiana Pacers 112-107 last Friday night. I was there, uh, and they also crushed the Oklahoma City Thunder 120-98 at home on TNT on Monday night. Uh, The Pacers game, you know, it was interesting because once again it was also on national TV on ESPN. The game started at 8 o'clock, an hour late, and I walk in right before tip-off, about 30 minutes beforehand, and I'm going up to Bloggers Row in Section 104, and who do I see in the concourse but Mr. Ted Leonsons? And I was walking past him, and, you know, I had to say hello because, you know, it's a decent human being thing to do, and I stuck out my hand, kind of startled him, and gave me a, a quick high-bye, uh, and, you know, shook my hand, and I was like, you know, hey, Ted, and then had no part of wanting to talk to me, which is fine. It was one of those things where I couldn't tell if he didn't know who I was or he exactly knew who I was and did not want to continue the conversation as I somewhat ambushed him, but not really. It was a frontal ambush. Uh, So yes, so Ted either is uh, not a fan of uh, my work or anything I do because I'm very critical of him, but I also give him praise. Wow, what a game. Uh, you know, back and forth. I wrote about it on truthaboutit.net. Go on the site, check it out. It's one of those games, once again, it's been a microcosm of, of the Wizards season so far where they're playing a good team at home, could go either way, and the Wizards just pull it out at the end. They get the stops against Paul George, and and Wall hits a big jumper, and Markeith hits an, a huge three, and they just make the plays the winning ones that we have not seen uh, throughout the John Wall era. So it is good to see Kevin Serafin, former Wizard, uh, KS Life, 
Had a really good game for the Pacers. His best game of the season. Played the most minutes he had uh, for them. And also scored, I think, 16 points a game high. And afterwards, I was in the Pacers locker room. And I asked Paul George about Kevin in the bench, who played pretty well for the Pacers. Their their second unit really kept him in the game uh, in the second first and second half. And Paul George was like, well, he deadpans. Wasn't that why ESPN was there to see him? <laughs> I laughed uh, that, he, that he joked and he said some nice things about, about Kevin and I interviewed uh, Mr. Serafin and it was funny I waited for the Indian Pacers guy to get done so I could ask some DC questions and I had an intern there who was recording the conversation and and the, the funniest part is that you know I'm like Kevin Kevin you know what do you miss about DC you know when you come back here and I was, I was thinking you know the different spots you like to hang out in the neighborhood or certain friends and He's like, I just stay in my room. You know, I've already seen all the monuments. I was like, no, no, you still have a <laughs> translation issue. I, d- I did not want to know about you sightseeing. I was just more wondering about kicking it back in a town that you lived for five years. But he also had some funny quotes about, uh, he'd say, kick ass. I came back to kick ass a lot. So uh, if, if I was a better podcaster, I would play that. And the Oklahoma City uh, game, I did not go. I would just watch it at home and... Wow, kicked their ass again. Speaking of kicking ass, smoked them. Russell Westbrook did not have a good game. John Wall was out there stunting on him with a sick between-the-legs pass. Bradley Beals cashing threes. Out of Porter's making threes. Keefe, once again, was outstanding, uh, continuing his high play over uh, the calendar year of 2017. And it was kind of weird, too, in the sense that you thought the, the starters could sit out the whole fourth quarter, and the bench was really bad again. Trey Burke and... Did not play well uh, on that second unit, so Brooks had to put back the starters there for a little bit uh, in this in the fourth quarter. So that was dis- disheartening. But once again, they won by 20 points against you know a decent West Coast a Western Conference foe. And hey, this team is back rolling again at home, and they have one more game uh, at Indiana uh, on Thursday night before the All Star break, and they have about a week off after that. So. It'd be good to see them get a victory and keep the momentum uh, going here. Uh, anything else I got on the team so far? They are now 13-2 and two in the last 15 games. The only two losses was the fluke uh, defeat to the Cavs where LeBron hit that crazy shot to tie the game, send it overtime, which eventually Kyrie took over. And you can go back and listen to the last podcast where I uh, went into Cavs fans because uh, they're a bunch of haters. And then the Detroit Pistons loss on inauguration weekend uh, on a tip-in where the Morse brother pushed off on the other Morse brother. So the only losses in the last 15 games were, were those, and that is pretty remarkable for this basketball team. It is rolling on all cylinders. They are ninth in offensive efficiency in the league, and they are 12th in defense. Uh, they are averaging 108 points a game, eighth. They've scored 100 points for 21 straight games. It is the longest streak, I believe, in franchise history. Things are well. It's an exciting brand of basketball. The starters are, have been amazing, and everyone that's a fan of this team should be excited. On this podcast, Adam Rubin uh, joined me because I love Adams. And the last time he joined uh, the show, it was probably at the low point of the season when the Wizards got smoked at home by the Orlando Magic, and John Wall had 52 points, and they could not stop. Orlando at all the fans were booing there was hardly anybody there and me and Adam went into a long discussion about all the ills of this franchise and why we were so in such a bad place 
with the Washington Wizards. And since then, of course, everything has gone uphill. And maybe that's why Ted Leonsis is uh, stiffing me at the arena when he sees me. So I just want to reflect to Adam and get back with him about what has changed over the last uh, three months and his thoughts of how they've been able to turn this around. And I know it's a constant theme with, with people here on the show, but I always like to get different perspectives of what they uh, are witnessing because they're it's a very interesting takes and and as this goes on we will no longer be hey what's going on in the last you know how has this flipped a script over the last three or four months they'll be more like hey where are they at in the eastern conference who are they going to play who's the matchup what kind of trades uh, what kind of tweaks so what can we do with the lineup and those will be more the conversations going forward so sometimes it is good to reflect but uh there will be not much more uh, looking back uh, per se, as much as uh, as this season progresses here to to the end of winter, hopefully soon, and into the spring in a deep, hopefully way deep uh, postseason run by your Washington Wizards. We also talked about the funeral game, uh, his thoughts about how the arena environment has changed with all the winning that's been happening. Uh, he also covered the game in Detroit that I mentioned uh, where the, the Wizards lost at the buzzer and what it was like to actually be a media at Auburn Palace at Auburn Hills. Uh, he had some interesting, uh, funny stories about that experience. And also, we talked about a, f- a free Saddy movement that he was a part of, uh, which is also hilarious. Uh, the Czech media was in town to cover Thomas Sedaransky, and, and Mr. Rubin had been a part of some hashtags of free Saddy, and he got interviewed in, a, in the Wizards locker room. So he talks about that experience, and I'm laughing talking about it right now because it is a very funny story. So stay tuned for that. And we just go into what the outlook is, uh, you know, going forward, like I mentioned, uh, with this team, what they need, are the stars going to wear down, obviously they need some help on the bench, you know, what players you'd like to see move, traded. There's your preview for the show. Uh, everyone, thanks continually for listening. Tell your friends, your family. Uh, right now, go on your phone, go to iTunes, uh, click zero stars. No, click five stars. Right now on your podcaster, uh, you should see, because I need more reviews to get it up, and or if you use Stitcher, or wherever it is, but uh, you know, you've been faithful listeners of the show, and things are as, as well as ever been uh, as a Wizards fan, and I want to knock on wood, uh, because you know, so Wizards is always around here, but we, let's enjoy this, because this is fun. This is what basketball uh, should be played like, this is the potential that we saw in all these players, and it's all coming uh, to fruition and, and, and heavy kudos to the front office uh, for some of the moves they made and, and also ownership to a certain extent I know I just said something good about Ted the Oldsons which you know, now come back Ted come back to the show and, and also the coaching staff with Scott Brooks they've instilled a system and a confidence uh, into these players and it is a good sight to be seen alright everyone this is a conversation I had last week with Adam Rubin it is still relevant enjoy Mr. Adam Rubin, colleague at truthaboutit.net, soft spot for Adam because we share the same name. Uh, Mr. Rubin, how are you, dude? What's up? I'm good. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, did you, you said you had dinner earlier. Like, where'd you go? Like, how was it? Uh, it was at some Italian restaurant. I'm now blanking on the name, but at 4th and K, that, that, uh, that building there. 
Yes, uh, yes, yes. I, it wasn't that, it wasn't that memorable because I guess I just went and I'd forgotten what the name of the restaurant was. Well, it used to be, is it the same spot that used to be some weird like a Buddha thing in the middle yes. right there? Well, like yeah, there's club man. Buddha thing right there. Oh no no no! That, that's one block over. But yeah, that that's now the, uh, the what is that place? Brazilian Brazilian yes, barbecue place. Yes. I think uh, that, but I yes, think the, the Buddha. I think Nene loves that joint. <laughs> yeah, the Buddha bar was there. I think yeah, I think Quartet and Nene like that place. So weird. It, it, here's the deal, Adam. Is that so? I was, I was hanging out the other night, and my boy is like. Hey, uh, I'm having twin boys. Like, what about some names? And, you know, of course, uh, with my Indian friend, uh, my best friend, RV, and obviously my name's Adam, and his name's Tim. And he's like, yeah, how about I just name him Adam and Adam and RV? I was like, well, dude, they're going to be like two little white boys. Like, well, Adam will work. I don't know about the Indian name, RV. And then he was like, well, I literally like Adam. I was like, well, here's the deal with Adam. Like, you can go, you can be Jewish. You can be black. You can, you can be Catholic, like myself. Uh, Kyle uh, has a black friend uh, named Adam, and he called me White Adam forever. So me and me and Black Adam and White Adam, which is me, we, we met each other. Uh, you obviously bring up uh, the Jewish part of this. Uh, Adam, son <laughs> of man, I have, I have a lot of I have a lot of jokes about Adam. Is there is there anything with uh, the name Adam before we go on to to uh, to the Wizards? Is there, my thoughts the on the name, name Adam? Your name Adam. Like any conversations you've actually I, had about the name Adam, you know? Uh, no, I'm not a big fan of the name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I need. Uh, that's what, there we go. There we go. Something for Katie. Like you, you have more Jewish guilt than I do have Catholic guilt. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, that. Yeah. I enjoy that. But I, I've never had any uh, – I haven't got much feedback on the name. I haven't had any negativity, I don't think. Yeah, that I can recall. But I have asked my parents why they named me that. I wasn't that happy with it. It seems kind of boring. Yes. Uh, again, yes. again, I'm self-deprecating maybe, but it's also, I guess, an insult to you in the same way because you are Adam. But, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, it's not that exciting of a name. Well, well, I'll give you a really funny story. I was with my uh, my buddy Mark, and we ended up at Fire Island uh, one time in, in New York City uh, randomly and with all these, like, hot-ass Jewish girls. And and I had I was Adam Cohen. Uh, so, so I, I pretend to be Jewish as my name, Adam, uh, it, it worked out for me. It, it, it ended up being a good thing. I was, a, I was, a, a you know, a, a, a NYU student in film going to be a director. <laughs> my friend's Jewish the whole time, by the way, you know, and, they, they, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Adam Cohen. So, so, you know, I was like, oh man, I can really rock it. So they'd be like, Hey Adam. And I couldn't pretend my name was like Aaron or, you know, John, John or something. But uh, here, the reason I wanted to have you on, uh, yeah, this was not this, this was not on the agenda. I was emailed. This is by not the way. an agenda. This is not an intro. We, we're not talking about the son of man uh, or, or make Eve, Eve jokes about don't eat in the uh, don't eat the fruit. Uh, here's here's the deal, Mr. Rubin, is that I looked it up, and the last time that you were on this podcast with me, the reason I wanted to bring you on is me and you arguably when I look back at all. The podcast I've had over, you know, in the two years that I've done this show on a regular basis, the one that you and you had was like the most real, like the most raw. Like, of course, I don't listen to them back per se. I mean, I have, <laughs> I have to listen. I have to listen to them too much when I edit them because I don't know if anyone knows here in productions that I do all all the work. But this was after the Orlando game, I believe, probably the rock bottom of the season. Then the deer, uh, they were seven and thirteen. 
I got you uh, on 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 the Skype machine, and me and you started talking about the game, but we just went in about what's it like to be a season ticket holder fan, how can we get rid of the team, like how the f- nobody was there, and your photos, and, and everything, right? And since that game, Adam, this team is 24-8. and eight. <laughs> Okay, okay, so so I don't know, you know, maybe Ted Leonis has stopped listening and the thing is, I don't really regret anything we were talking about. Like, we were talking about the real. We went into, like, fundamental things about this team and marketing and season ticket holders and, like, like changes. And we were talking about what fans wanted to hear. Like, we are fans. Like, this was what it was at that time. And things were struggling. I mean, we did give things of, like, hey, you know, Scott Brooks still has time to get his rotations down or, you know, Beal was banged up a little bit. Like, you know, it's early. John Wall's coming off a knee surgery. We did give those caveats, right? But overall, we were talking about the structure, how the bench was terrible, how the environment in the arena was awful. How can we actually change things? Like, how much, what is the tipping point with Ted Leonsens? And they are 24 and 8 assistant, Adam. Do you remember that conversation? And, like, I don't really regret what we talked about, dude, but, uh, you know, if Ted Leonsis wants to be like, yo, what up, man? Look at that shit you said, and look how good we are now. I'd be like, okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, well, you you got me in a very dark place the last time. But um, I think that you know, the main issue with why it was so uh, negative back then, you know, watching the team, was that they were playing poorly. That's fine. Well, you know, that happens, okay, but it, Adam, let me interrupt. Because John Wall went for 50 freaking points, right? Like, that's why we set us off. Yeah. Like, right? It wasn't right. 52 and, or 3, right? Yeah, 50. Yeah, I think it's 52 that night. Yes, um, yes. I'm sorry. Keep but going. It, it, was the, it, was the, it was the fact that the team that we had that, that was on the floor there was the team that was going to be there for the next few years. It was that there was no light at the end of the tunnel because – of their, they don't have much cap maneuverability. So it was that how they're playing poorly and how could you see them making trades, making changes and actually getting better. And they were able to do that obviously from within, you know, from the starting five. And, but that fundamental problem that they had that we were concerned about that it does still exist. Uh, it's just that the team now is, is playing so much better, but they, they still have that fundamental problem that you saw even last night in the Brooklyn game, just just jump ahead, you had Markeith Morris who was out. That's just one starter missing one game. All of a sudden, you look around, there's no power forward on the roster. Markeith misses one game, you can't play Andrew Nichols. Jason Smith is now playing power forward, and occasions are going to work just because one guy got injured. So you're seeing there is that same darkness that we saw back then is still sort of brewing underneath, but it's just obviously the way the team's playing is, is... overshadowed it and the hope hope is they can just overcome that for the, for the rest of the year but but that's really what it was back then is that okay the team's playing poorly and where do you see it improve how can you can you see them get players without trading the pick you know all, all that was sort of making storm clouds out in the in which they managed to completely clear up by going insane for the last two months yeah, so let's go to that, Adam. Like, so the twenty-four and eight since that conversation that me and you had, and I think it was what was that? It was December sixth, which you actually can go back to December first, which I use as a metric because uh, they lost to San Antonio. So maybe I should maybe I should start all my metrics at December eighth. Let me let me write a little note down. Even though I covered that fucking Nuggets game and it was terrible, I actually wrote 
that, yeah, they won, but this is awful. Uh, how has this turned around, Adam? I mean, that's the, that's the fundamental question that we see anyone that talks about the Washington Wizards uh, in any national media capacity, uh, whether it be people that cover the team or anyone that wants to be a smart NBA pundit about the Washington Wizards, uh, radio, TV, or all the shows. What is your take of why this team has turned it around since uh, such a poor start? Well, the good thing is that it, there's not one answer. So it's not one thing that everyone's relying on to continue. It's that every single player on the team has improved and is now having a career year. I mean, when you look at John Wall, I mean, he talked about he talked about it on TNT about his knee and how he wasn't in shape, and then now he's in shape, so now he can play much better. I mean, you look what he's doing. You look at Beal, remember the beginning of the season? He's turned it around. You know, he wasn't playing that well. Uh, obviously, what Otto's doing, Markeith, you look at the inconsistency he had for mainly his whole career, all of a sudden that's gone. Gortat has actually been pretty consistent all year, but then you turn over to the bench, and it's every single person. You look what Ubre's doing with his – he's now being put on point guards. It makes the entire second unit much more potent. He's able to play at the end of the games on, on you know, Damon Stoudemire, Kevin Walker, even Isaiah Thomas. It completely changes the entire defensive complexion of the team. Then you look at Burke and Jason Smith. Yes, the bar was set very low by themselves in the first uh, month, but just to become serviceable bench players, that's a huge improvement. And so you look at everybody. I'm purposely leaving out Sadoranti because I believe he has been at the same level throughout the whole season and would be fine if he were to get more minutes. But so it's the entire team, and then you throw on Scott Brooks. It was poor in the beginning because he was relying on Trey Burke, but then he started moving the rotations around. He's got the, the bench rotation now, keeping a couple starters in with the with the bench. So he's fixed that problem. You know, the main problem was playing all five bench guys to start. So the entire team has just been uplifted in every single person. And that's what gives you the hope. And then knowing that this isn't a fluke, it's not a streak. This is this is the new normal. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that one thing you can point to. It's it's. It's every single player, and then collectively, they're buying into the defensive system. I mean, you remember at the beginning of the year, there were games, they would give up a blown layup, they'd start arguing. You know, after eight baskets, you'd see Wall pointing at Gortat, you'd see Markeith shrugging his shoulders. That doesn't happen anymore. That used to be, you know, every other play in, in November. So, it's it's everything, it's the entire team, and that, that's what makes it so exciting looking forward, the idea that this is who they are now. They are a one, two, three, you know, seed in the east um it seems like there's no reason why they wouldn't be able to continue so it's not just that one thing you have to point to is is what's changed okay so so adam i'm gonna let's let's storyboard this right because eventually i'm gonna write like not the you know not the hot take kind of thing or when you know i go on a radio show or I go on a TV show and they need 30 seconds about, hey, guys, what, what's happening with the Wizards? Like, I want to go in depth. Like, to me, I feel like when this season has turned around, and I, I can't remember, and actually this is on the script, but, I, but I, <laughs> I'll tell you is that I felt it was that, okay, so since that game we're talking about, you know, they beat the Nuggets, they win that game against Milwaukee, they lose that game at Miami, uh, the Charlotte game happens. The, the ball goes in and out. If you remember, Kemba Walker shot, correct? Uh, and yeah. I was, I was at the Detroit game, or actually, I wasn't at this Detroit game, but they kicked the shit out of Detroit. They, they scored 70 points in the first half. It's the best I've seen. But to me, 
where I feel like the season really turned around was that Sunday against the Clippers. Uh, that that afternoon against against full full speed Clippers. Cause I, I think I think Blake ended up getting hurt after this game or after the game was over. Yeah, they did. Right. Yeah, during the game. Right. Yeah, he got hurt a little during the game, but yeah. Okay, 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 and and, and then like they were down, and we'd seen it throughout any time with this with this club. The Clippers were like, "Come on, man!" It's like you know, it's it's Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. It was a Sunday matinee game, and Markeith took over. They came back. The crowd got involved. It was a loud crowd, and the Wizards prevailed. And I. And then the next, you know, the next game they lost to to Indiana on a last shot, uh, but they go, you know, they go in, they go in Chicago, uh, and, and and beat them in Chicago, and they struggled, and then and then it just started, it just started, you know, like this whole winning thing of them digging out of the holes happened, and I, and I feel like maybe I'm wrong because like you know we're always trying to find this writer some kind of thing, and sometimes the writers are trying to manufacture things, but when I look about the momentum of the season. I really feel like that Clippers victory was very important. Do you agree with that at all? Yeah, I think for the team's confidence, that's one of those games sort of like a year ago when they beat uh, San Antonio, like the early season buzzer beater by Beal. Like that's the kind of game where Washington looks at it as a team that's better than them, but they don't normally beat. So you sort of have as a notch, you know, that they, they beat the Clippers. I, I don't think... It was an incredible game, and as you look back, that game and their comeback. And Markeith exactly was, ama- was amazing, by the yeah. way, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, that, that, yeah that's that's what I was going to say because at the end of that game, that comeback is now what they do. You know, they just did this the last week. You look at the the rotations, the rotations, how they they stagger Markeith kind of a little bit. Yeah, but I still think at that point in the season, Markeith was incredible that game. I remember uh, after the game, he was talking about how he's. You know, nobody can guard me. And, he, and you know, he was just taking over. Like, matter-of-factly, the people were asking, well, where did this come from? You know, you played so well. But he still, the next game or the next few games, he was back to his inconsistent ways. Yes, like so spacing out that, and spacing out and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that game fits into, like, what's happening now. Yes, But true. I don't think that was the first game where they, they didn't start the run from there just because I know at least looking at Markeith, uh So, you know, I I don't know. I know what you're saying. That was the first game where they showed. No, it was like it was. It was like they, they beat Charlotte play. and like Kimba missed that three, but they still messed that game up, right? They should have lost that game or gone to OT and lost. They beat a struggling yeah. Detroit team, which they blew them out. But like finally, it was like, yo, like we have not really beat a good team all season at Sunday, and that team was up. I mean, the Clippers, I believe, were up ten to twelve, fourteen points. In the late the third, early fourth, right, and the Wizards made a run, and it, and I feel like that run or that eliteness of the Wizards, that what they did, like, like kind of all cylinders, everyone, is what we've kind of seen carry over here and there throughout throughout the year. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, it took a lot of bad teams after that to get it going, you know, until it was like later on where they just start crushing them. But I, I feel like that was maybe a, a hurdle. That they needed per se. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're basically agreeing that 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 was that was the game where they showed they could put it all together. Okay, well, let me stop. Like, what would you say that like like what's the game where you're like you think the team was like they turned it around? If we're trying to do a narrative of a story, 
You know, it could be a game well, where it's like a shit. Like it could be I like. Guess. I mean, I mean, Troy Helburn actually wrote that it was over the Christmas break where it was a game against the Pacers, where Pacers and the Wizards kind of played even, and then John Wall did some John Wall things, and they just won the game, which normally they lose, right? Could be that game or the, or the or the Bucks game. I mean, I mean, it could be a shitty game, honestly, but. Is there anyone that stands yeah, out? I mean, we've won 24 of 8. We're like, dude, we're the best team in the Eastern Conference <laughs> since this. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know, I know you know all this, but as a journalist, and I don't mean as a journalist, like, we're talking this out as being you would write this all up and be like, this is when the team turned it around. I don't mean like that. But it's, there's also this ebbs and flows of a season of covering all these games where fun times you're like, okay, yeah, like, that's when it kind of clicked maybe, right? I think the one thing that impressed me back in January is after they lost to Detroit, you know, on that the tip in by yes, uh, yes. Marcus Morris, and they were pretty demoralized after that game. And it was, you know, uh, and they actually hadn't played that well. They had no business even being in that game. So that Trump, was Trump was they, just they, an inaugurated president. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of bad feelings. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. But, but they had been they had been winning. They had been playing consistently. Then they went to Detroit. It was a bad game. They were playing poorly. The, the starters were playing poorly. The bench brought them back in the fourth quarter. They they almost came back and won, but still, it was an ugly game. And and that could have been the point where yes. they they sort of fell back into the old ways. Uh, so I think actually that the next wow. game I was most impressed with was against Charlotte oh, yeah. on the road again. Dude. So they just lose the buzzer beater. They're, oh, no, is this now going to be back to how they, they were? But they no. Own, they own they, them. They own them from the jump, actually. Yeah, they went in and, and they, they, they killed them. So that, that sort of let me know, that, listen, that's that's this is a new Wizards team, a new confidence that they have. That, that The buzzer beater means nothing. It, and that's sort of the, the thought I had after the – Cleveland game, just to make a the quick point, yes. losing that game, you didn't feel like that was going to cause any type of change in their confidence or how they move, you know, go playing forward. So because after that Detroit loss, they ripped off seven straight wins. So I think the that and, next and, game against and, Charlotte. And, and Adam dominated. <laughs> dominated. Trailed, trailed for three minutes in four games. <laughs> three of them on the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the last time that has happened for the Wizards? <laughs> you know? Yes, it was even more fucked up about that, Adam, too, is that, like, like, like there was, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, like, I'd be like, all right, here it is. The Wizards, you know, they're on this long home winning streak. We've seen it. They're a great home team, bad on the road, right? So, at this time, before this, dude, I mean, I guess the Knicks, I guess, is before that. They'd only won four games on the road going into the Knicks game. And then they end up, like, winning, like, five games on the road. Like in the next week, like the next eight days, and like destroy the shit out of almost every team, <laughs> which is like what you're. I'm sorry, they won four games on the road. They lost the Detroit game, so they won four out of five on the road. Lost on the buzzer beater, and had four wins all season on the road. You know, yeah, and that was and that was beating Atlanta, who was playing very well at the time, and beating yes uh, Charlotte, who. Oh, yes. So I mean, that, that's the vision at that point. Those were the five six they were battling for. So those weren't. Easy game, so that sort of let lets you know that they're they've turned the corner, and maybe there's something there's something to it. Something special, I guess. I guess you're right in the sense like I was looking too maybe too micro in the sense of a game, but if I want to say the like when I want to go back to be like, oh hey, like this stretch of at New York, at Detroit, at Charlotte, Boston at home, at Atlanta, at New Orleans, right? 
I'm like, ah, I'm sorry. If we even go back, like Portland at home, Memphis at home. Yeah, and, and so then we go back to those two teams who were both, you know, playoff teams last year. Tough, tough wins. We have not beat those teams at home. And and they go do they go seven and one. <laughs> you know? Like it's like <laughs> So maybe that yeah. when I look back, like maybe that's the stretch from like MLK Day to to the to the Cavs game. If we go back like when we go, go back. But but anyway, Adam, let's go. So what is what have you seen as a season ticket holder? You've been in a lot of games, uh, more than me. Uh, don't let everyone know that listen to me, uh, listen to this podcast. Uh, but I will <laughs> I will be at the Pacers game and the Thunder game coming up. Uh, but going back to the Magic game, because like the one things that we were talking about is like Wall scoring all those points, and and we talked about how the defense is you know Brooks emphasized the defense in training camp and the Magic who had terrible offense were gashed them especially like Alfred Payton you know the the bench was sucking and all the you know all this you know the free agency things for the Wizards weren't working but the thing that we really got like got into our craw and I remember when I made some things I made a couple comments and you corrected me which which I loved about the podcast was about like like, you know, I went a little bit on the fans, and you're like, "Yo, yo, yo, Adam, not about the fans." And I and I and I and I, and I, I reemphasized like what I I reemphasized like I clarified what my point was because you've been season ticket holder for a long time. I, you know, I've been going to these games for 15 years myself. Uh, what has the environment been in the arena that you've witnessed over this winning streak, and how this has uh, matured? Because you know, it's always like this whole number, like, "Well, no one comes unless you win." But if you win, they come or la la la, right? Like, like, and we would talk about season ticket holders and stuff. But what have you seen? Because um, I have a lot of good things to say about the fans the last few games. I just like want to know what you've seen over the last uh, month or two since this win streak of the phone booth. What's been going on there? Well, the one thing I mean, obviously, in the beginning of the year, it was, uh, you know, it was levels I, you know, you hadn't seen for for a long time, and I, I wasn't sure why that early in the season people weren't coming because it wasn't yet known that the team wasn't playing that great even going back to opening night against toronto it was it was pretty empty so but now that they've started winning over the holidays there are more people in the stadium but the turnaround you hear the players talk about it after the game Ubre, bill wall all of them at various times have talked about thanks to the fans they've given us a big lift but it hasn't been they're still way down in attendance the attendance hasn't been that high during the streak. I mean, obviously the Cavs was a, was a great game in a sellout, but there, it hasn't been. If you've been to a lot of games, I think I've been to most most of the seventeen games, if not if not all of them, um, during the streak. It, it hasn't been an overwhelming home court crowd. I mean, there there you might say there's a there's a few more people in the beginning of the season, but it's not like I mean I've been around to a lot of different stadiums. I mean, you go to Oklahoma City, go to San Antonio. I mean, those are home court crowds. I mean, every fan is engaged. Everyone's cheering, you know, but so I'm surprised to hear the, the players talk about it so much because you still had, like after the cap, I'm sorry, no, like after the Cavs game, Wall and Beal did an Instagram together and thanking the fans. Yeah. We've never seen anything like that actually. Yeah. So yeah, there was, that was, yeah, I was surprised. Cause, I, cause I both, both of them have been critical. I mean, like Beal was critical after the Lakers game, and we're going to get into the Lakers game. And Wall has been critical, you know, about getting booed on the free throw line, fair or unfair, right, over the years, right? 
Yeah. So, and, so and the you fact had... that like so the fact that like after the whole crazy Cavs game, then to mutually come out with a mutual Instagram, I know it's fucked up to say like, oh my god, they came out with a mutual Instagram, but like it was <laughs> the mutual Instagram was not PR based, and Buckhand said that last night, and I actually totally agreed, like because like well, let me, I mean, I don't, know, I don't want to just on the PR team, but like. But, like, that was, like, them being, like, yo, bro, do you want to do this together? You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't their agents. Yeah. It wasn't them. It was literally just, like, probably them, like, sitting on a bus or, like, in – yes, not sitting on a bus, but, like, hanging out afterwards, shooting around, be, like – or texting and be, like, yo, bro, like, that's – because that's – because that photo is from, you know, what game was that from? It's not even from the Cavs game. It's from the, uh, the funeral, which you're about to get into. And so, like, for them to actually put in, like – Hey guys, we lost this crazy fucking game. LeBron hit that fucking crazy like fluke shot. Like we love you fans. Like I felt like that was like a kind of different things that we've seen out of Bradley and John, right? Yeah, I assumed when I saw it that it was the Wizards PR. And oh, no, they're not that smart, by the way. Can I, that was the joke <laughs> I was trying to make, but keep going. <laughs> I, That's I'm smart, savvy, sure. savvy is what I'm saying. That's smart. I savvy. make. Keep I going. have no no, yeah, no, no comment. Say no comment. No comment. They're not listening. They're, they're, they were. They're, uh, they're not listening this nice, this long in the podcast. But keep going. This we've already we've already lost them. Um, yeah. Yes. No. But uh, yeah, I, I was actually I was very surprised. I assumed it was Wizards PR. I I I'll take Buck Hansy's, You know, like what you said. Or I forget if Shanier said on this yesterday that uh, it was just their idea. But I don't know. Being a it seems strange to me. I mean, being around them in the locker room and hearing them talk, like, yeah, they're complimentary. But I, I, it just doesn't seem like something they would do. But uh, but the fact that if, if it is was just them and they decided to do it, then I think it's a good sign, at least that the players are happy with what the crowd's doing and getting the support. And we know the crowd, the players have perception. It's the perception that the fans haven't been that into the. The Wizards, you see the opposed team's crowd there cheering. So we know they've been upset about it. So that's just a fact. They have been upset. They've said things about the, you know, the Chick-fil-A. So the fact that they're writing that, I mean, I, just looking at it from the Wall and Beals specifically, if they're saying that makes them happy and they're happier with what the fans are doing, then that's great. Then I'm happy that they're happy. Well, how, how, about, they're, how, how about this, Adam? Like, what's your sense of season holder people or people you that sit around you? Or like, I mean, we won 17 games in a row at home. I mean, it's the second longest home running streak forever. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know maybe it's a little. It's still probably difficult to get rid of, you know, some tickets uh, during the week. You know, you know, the Knicks maybe or something like that in the Lakers or whatever. But. Has there been any? No, I mean, is there any sense of like season ticket holders or more people or any feeling in the arena that you've seen change over, you know, this elongated winning streak, which is the second most in franchise history? Yeah, I, I definitely think there's been a change. I mean, I'm talking to people just walking around, and you're seeing at the end of the games when you're seeing Wall take over and you're seeing Wall hitting these these 20 foot jumpers and just you know walking down the court just yelling, "This is my city." I mean, you're seeing. You're seeing the fans respond, and people just shrugging and saying, "I don't know." Oh, like, I, where did this come from? You know, I, I like, I, I don't know, but we'll, we'll take it. So it's sort of like a surprise, but everybody is. You could you could feel it in the arena after these games. There's still that tinge of disbelief, you know, like wondering, like, how did this just happen? Or we're good now, <laughs> um, but but everybody is. You know, you can you can feel 
that people are more excited. People are talking about it. I, even outside the stadium, just people – I'm sure you have this in your life. People who yes. know that you're a fan and know that you write, they'll yes. – you constantly get the questions. Are they actually good? What's going on? And, you know, you see a lot more interest in people saying, wait a minute, are they – you know, what is this? Are they good? So especially the funeral game is what got a lot of play on, you know, local sports radio and the local news. So that's when the casual fans were like, what's going on? Why are they wearing black? Then you see the highlights, and then people start asking questions. So I think it's definitely permeating down to the local, average, casual fan level, and people are getting excited. So I think this this streak has, more than anything in the last several years, I think has ignited the casual fan base. You know, sure, for a couple of years with Whitman in the playoffs, when they're on national TV, yes, as soon as they win a series, everyone gets excited. But this is the only time in the regular season you've ever had any type of excitement of just the, the average person walking around the street. And so for that, I think there's, there's a huge change that has, this hasn't happened since, you know, Gilbert arena stays when they were uh, battling at the top of the division for a little bit. Oh, you mean when Gilbert was uh, hitting the game winner, against uh, MLK, yeah. it gets the jazz and put his hands up. And I was there and it was one of the coolest, uh, I get him and Mimit, Mimit a core and him and him. Mimit a core and him had a battle in the fourth quarter and Gilbert ended it and turned around and looked at all of us and put his hands up and turned around. I was like, the ball isn't even in the hoop yet. And he turned around and then it goes in and the whole place like erupts in a way that, you know, and everyone's outside yelling and screaming. I'm like, you know, this is just a normal regular season game against the Jazz and the Wizards in January. But, but like, you know, like that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the funeral, I mean, it didn't have that buzz at the end of the game, but like it did have that buzz uh, that I hadn't seen in a regular season game, which wasn't based upon like Kobe or LeBron coming to town or something, right? Right. It was fueled. Internally by yes by the Wizards. by Washington yeah. yes yeah. I mean as a as a threshold or as a as a measuring stick I got a my mom texted me last night saying that was an exciting game or not last night before after the Cavs game oh, saying that God. was an exciting yeah. game yeah so, what's, what's, so, what's your mom's name uh, Linda 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 texted you what she said what was Linda say? I, I call I call her mom uh, yeah she, no, no, no. She, what mom and Linda just, I would say what she, she just texted that you know that this was an exciting game and. And she wasn't asking. I mean, she was texting a comment on her on, on watching the game, which is not something. Yes. That ever happens. She might ask me sometimes. Are I, you at the game? Yeah. No. But, I had a. I had a. I had the same thing with a buddy who was like from Cincinnati, NBA fan. He's like, "Dude, are you there? Like, like what the hell?" And I was like, "No, I'm not there." But like, oh my god, you know. So you're saying like good example, it's like just little, like how that how these little like moments were like it was normal like. No one even knows that the Wizards are playing on a Tuesday in January, right? Or February, right? Yeah, and it's it's still the case when you go out to a bar or a restaurant. They, they might have seven oh. or eight TVs behind oh, the bar, yeah. Oh, yeah. and you know none of them are on Washington. They'll be on another random game. They'll be on you know a soccer game or something. But so I don't know if that's yet what what it would take to change that. <laughs> but but I think well, it's you know yeah we're, we're too we're too early for that. Like it's still like like you know it's the same thing that. I mean, I try to tell people they rip on Wizards fans, and we have the same conversations or whatever, but, like, dude, like, the Bulls series, the Pacers series, the, the Raptors series, that place was packed and jumping. Like, the environment was awesome, you know? And, and people were into it and cheering. It wasn't, like, what you're going to your, your average Wizards game. So, like, so like I know that that's going to happen, you know? Whether you want to say there's bandwagon, I mean, I don't give a shit, like, how you define 
what kind of fan there is. Like, it was almost full. People were into it. And when John Wall and Bradley Bill or Renee or Trevor Reza would do good things, like, the crowd was into it. So, like, I'm not really worried about that per se. But, Adam, what I want to ask you about the fan thing is that I, I'm struggling myself how to articulate this. And that maybe you can help me. Is that... Okay. Like, I watch these games, dude. Like, we've watched how many... I mean, God... And I can't even ask you how many games you've watched because obviously a lot more uh, in person, you know, going back to your, you know, the Bullets days and the Cap Center days. I mean, I'm 15 years in watching these Wizards, by the way. All right. So I know you're way back. And, you know, we've been writing about it. I mean, you know, whatever. But like, so I'm in like seven years ish, basically writing about 82 games a year plus the playoffs. So God, that's almost a thousand games. F that, F the math. So not a thousand games, like whatever. But what I'm saying, Adam, is that now, dude, like I can think about, like I was trying to think about, like all these like positive wins of this team, and I can think about, you know, Jordan Crawford against Portland, or I can think of like, you know, like certain like highlights. But I think about all the collapses and all the losses, and a lot of them I forget. And now when I watch this team. When they're playing poorly, dude, like, or even if they're winning and they have a bad third quarter or bad in the beginning of the fourth, or like, like I don't feel they're gonna lose, and, and it's weird because and they end up not losing, but like it's not even in the sense that like I could be like so many times in my whole life I've been conditioned. Where it'd be like, okay, well the Wizards are gonna lose, they're gonna lose, and then they lose, and then all of a sudden like, oh the Wizards will play well. And then maybe they'll win. And they'll be like, oh, the Wizards are up in Portland and they'll find a way to choke it. Or, oh, they're playing like Boston at home with, you know, nobody there. But, you know, Paul Pressey will go out and have 30 points or some shit. Or some random ass dude will beat them. Dude, I watch it now, man. And, like, it's like, like I when they have a bad quarter, like New Orleans they had a bad quarter. Or, or, like, or like, like, like the Lakers they had a bad quarter. I still think they're going to win, and they end up winning, Adam. And it's not even the sense that, like, I'm waiting for some so Wizards tragedy, per se. But it's just like, this team is that good where I'm just winning them from turning it on, and then John Wall and these guys turn it on, and then they win against a team that they're better, instead of us just, like, worrying about us being worse, and they turn it on and maybe lose or maybe win, but most of the time lose... And and it's weird because like I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and get so self confident. Even though the other day I said that they could beat the Cavs in a seven game series, which I still believe, or they could win the East, or I'll get I'll get like some bravado. It's not like me being like talking shit, but it is a weird feeling, Adam. Like, do you do you? So my my question or my observation to you is like. I don't know how to feel the fact that I'm waiting for disaster, but then I think the team is good enough to avoid a lot of these disasters that we've been conditioned over for arguably since 1979, if you want to be truthful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we be truthful? Cause I think it's since 1979. I mean, maybe a couple of years with Gilbert, but like we played no defense in Gilbert's years, right? So like any years we could lose. If, we play, if our shots weren't falling versus Gilbert, we could lose, right? You know what I mean? Like, the big three shots weren't falling. It wasn't like, we're scrapping it out defensively. You know? Yeah. That, went, you know, it's like, you know, if, if they had an off night, they could lose to anyone. But I don't... 
anyway, I, I've talked too long, Adam. Do, do you feel what I'm feeling? Like, I don't know how to feel how I feel. Well, I'd say it took a little, it took a little bit of time, I guess, through January to come to the realization. It was really good, right? Yeah, because you see, it's not just you were talking about they were used to blow leads, but it's also that they used to win two, three, four games in a row, then lose four games in a row. So it's also we're conditioned. Yeah, they'd win, sometimes they'd win seven games in a row. Then it would just go right back to 500. So it, it's part of it was being conditioned to understand that they've sort of jumped a level now. There's no more of that 500 talk. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you know, early in the season. You're talking oh, about November oh, and December. No, it's my podcast with Brian Francis after that Kimba Walker 3 rolls out. Like, I was like, let's get back to 500. Like, that was actually right. the, the, the podcast. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's all they the, – the Wizards' existence for the last three years, and forget going all the way back to 79, at least for three years, four years, it's just been 500, yes. trying to get to 500 and not getting it. So I think it takes the month of January for people, myself, to to come to grips with the fact that this is what the team is. And that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, is that it's everybody is playing better, everyone's having a career year. And everyone's buying into the system. So it's not just one thing you're afraid that shoe's going to drop, something's going to happen, then they're going to be bad. They've already shown enough that this is who they are. It's not just one player. Now, the one caveat is they're doing their starters playing the most minutes in the NBA. They're doing it with really no bench still. I love what, I love what Jason Smith is doing. Um, but they're, they're doing this with perfect health. So... The one issue they have, that one problem they have, is still there. So if you're looking for a reason to be pessimistic or to say, wait a minute, this could all go away, that you know, you know that, that is, is out there. That is a risk, and that, that is a major weakness with the team. It's just that it's been papered over during the streak because they haven't had to – it hasn't been an issue because it started to play them. But that is – that's the one area. However, having said that, if you're – throw injuries and help out the window, this team, this starting five, this is the second best team in the East. And that's that's not gonna change. I mean this they are who they are. So you can you can feel confident in knowing that they're gonna they're gonna play this way every night. They're gonna play hard and sure they're gonna lose some games, but they're gonna come right back. And if they play at this level and at this consistent level every game, it's a fifty win team. They could even get there this year. But if you if you play like this for an entire season, you're a 50-win team. I mean, that's- but, but here's my point: is that you're making really good analytical arguments. I'm, I want visceral. I want feelings. You, 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 you have been a fan of the scene for a long time. Like, so you always have this measureness of like you've seen it all, right? <laughs> like, like, like a crushing defeats. Like, it, like, how do you talk to fans in the sense that like? Yo, like this team is like really good. Like, like I mean, I don't know, I don't know about title good or whatever, but this isn't like anything we've actually kind of ever in a modern time. I mean, okay, I'll give you stats. Ready? This is the best yes. offense that John Wall's ever had, ever in the John Wall era. All right. Yes. This is the best. This is this is uh, Randy Woodman technically has the best defense, but here's some stats. Since December 1st, even though I told you what I write down, I need to do it since December 8th. Since December 1st, the defense is the fifth best in the NBA efficiency. The defense. 
I did not know that. The offense is the seventh best, even though uh, statistically, like from them to seven or fifth, or it's only like point something. It's really close. So basically, for almost three months, the Wizards have a top five defense and a top five offense. I have I do not remember when this franchise has had that ever <laughs> for that long. <laughs> Well, I guess, I, yeah, right, I guess. Right, right, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I know that, like, maybe, arguably, like, I know that, like, you know, like, two or three years ago, like, our def, I mean, like, the Whitman years, like, we did have a top, we had, like, the fourth best defense, seventh best defense for the whole season. Like, we, I mean, the Whitman years, why Whitman was rehired and what changed the culture was the defense. But the offense was, like, 16th, 17th, dude. And if you go back to the arenas and the big three era, yeah, we had a top, I don't know the actual stats per se, but it was a top 10 offense. But the defense was fucking terrible. The only played defense was Deshaun and Brandon Haywood at the rim. Or maybe when Eton was a fighting Brandon Haywood. But like, or Michael Ruffin would come in and make some stuff. But like the defense, like, Antoine played no defense. Gilbert played no defense. And Cron would maybe play defense. And so we had Antonio Dave Daniels basically having to play like the other best players. I mean, like, so the other dudes just had to score a shit ton of points. And the fact that we have a top five and tough, like, on both sides of the ball is what makes it seem just even more, when I look at it like, analytically, aside from being a fan, something different, right? Well, I get, yeah, actually, I guess, uh, so I guess sort of support your point and go and sort of go against what I just said. When on Monday, I guess it was Monday or la- last week, when the power rankings came out from, you know, NBA.com, Mark yes. Stein, CBS, and all three of them had Washington as a top five team. Yes. Yeah, I guess to your point. Yeah, what was that feeling? What was your feeling when you read that? That's what yeah, I'm talking about. Like I, I like read disbelief, it. I your disbelief. It. Your disbelief. Well, right? I understood the logic behind it. But yes, I guess I didn't yet see Washington as a top five team. I'm like, seeing their name like, there. And like, I'm saying, like, okay, what, they, what have we proved, right? Like, but still, like, yeah, they're yeah. right, though. Right? It's, yeah, it's like I, the national media is getting behind them because they've been on a bit of a streak. But you're like, yeah, they're not really, they're not really that. That could, you're seeing Golden State, you're seeing Santa, or whoever it was, Golden State, Cleveland, Washington, and you're saying, well, wait a minute, there's a hell of a lot more teams in the NBA. So yeah, I guess it's almost like, I'd say, like a body dysmorphia as a, as a Wizards fan where we see ourselves, you know, we can't accept that we're okay. Yes, that we're, I that know, right? Can we so, get rid of so, yeah, so Wizards, Adam? We cannot get rid of yeah. so Wizards. Like, there's no way, right? Yeah, at first I was saying, yes, I, I understand I was, we are this team. We are this good now, but it is still true that I, I didn't accept when you're seeing that as a top team. You're, you know, in those power rankings, you're still questioning it. So I think, I think the only way to get rid of that would have to be actual playoff wins. Because look, yes. it's great they won 17 straight. It's great they're 31 and 21. But it is the regular season. Real yes. teams win in the playoffs. So oh. it would take an actual run, an actual run to the conference finals. Uh, so I think actually expunge. The so withers, so withers uh, attitude. Well, no, so, because yeah, it, would, it would get us away from this fact that, like, yeah, it's all great that we're playing so well in, in January and February, but when it matters, like, what's up, right? Yeah, it's the same question, the debate over the moral victory for the Cavs game. I'm like, look, people are happy. Look what we did. But take a step back. They just lost a game. So, I mean, what kind of team is Washington if, if they're – Excited, and the players weren't excited about it. But I'm saying the fans saying, "Oh, you're great! We almost beat them." Oh, oh, it was a great, oh, unbelievable game. Okay, so okay, so you covered. I don't really. What was we already mentioned the final? So you covered the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Pelicans games in person. Any any insight to those? Uh, obviously, 
<laughs> it was really weird that the Wizards didn't really play well in pretty much two-thirds of those games, but then they won, which which proves my point that I was saying earlier, when they play poorly, they end up winning, uh, especially the Lakers and the Pelicans at the end. This is all the home games. Uh, any takeaways from those experiences at the, at the arena? Well, I'll just give one. The one quick takeaway is that story, John yeah. Wall, what a, that, that, well, separate from that, but that John Wall, I still don't think people realize, even Wizards fans, like how good, unless you're in the stadium, like watching oh, him, God. like how good he is to see, like he's at the level now where in that Lakers game, when the bench gave it away a little bit in the start of the fourth quarter, he just came in and took over the Pelicans game, the last five minutes of the Pelicans game, yes. where he was not only just scoring, shutting down Drew Holiday. I mean, it was, he can do what oh, he wait, wants. Wait, wait, no, when he, when he, he made the famous one where he like, yeah. you know, he like jumped, jumped for the steal, called the timeout, then got up and pumped his chest and got the crowd involved. Like that was amazing. Yeah, he, sponsor time. Yes. I have a sponsor, Sneakus, S-N-E-K-I-S.com. Sneakus, DMV sports apparel. Pitchers and catchers have reported in Florida. That means baseball season is upon us. So get some new threads for the summer at sneakers.com and at checkout enter pixel roll for 10% off your order and in the meantime you support wizards independent media now back to the show yeah on, on a couple possessions the, the, the big one when he scored over anthony davis and then yes. got the steal and called the timeout but even before that he stripped drew holiday and scored on the other end like he, he's just he's at a level where i mean he's the second best people debate who's the best point guard i mean i, I think there's no question he's the second best player in the Eastern Conference. And and so seeing what he's doing is like th- those three games, mainly the Lakers and Pelicans, just what he can do at the end where like that's where the confidence comes in that now Washington actually has a closer who can come in and just shut teeth down. And let's go with stats. I mean, if you looked at, have you, I mean, and it's weird because like, they used to pick apart, pick apart John Wall on what? Three-point shooting, right? I mean, if you look back at his second season, I think he took like 10 or something. Like, it's pretty crazy. Like, he took, he took hardly any. And they got really good. And then I remember, like, he stopped shooting them. And I asked him a couple years ago, like, why I stopped shooting them? He's like, you know, whatever, blah, blah. And then, like, there was always this hitch in a shot. And he still doesn't have a shot that's fluid, but so much better. But it's this confidence, man. Like, he thinks, like, every time, like, it used to be when John Wall, like, like early on, he would shoot it because he was just, like, flying around, and sometimes he'd make them. And then all of a sudden, they'd be like, oh, my God, i got to make them. And he'd think about it, and he didn't make them. And then he started being like, I want to work with that shooting coach, right? And then he started getting a little bit better. But he still had the hitch. Now the hitch isn't as bad. But here's the deal now is that, like, now it's like, yo, I'm going to make it. Instead of being like the ball's reversed to me, like I gotta shoot it because like that's what happens at six seconds left on the shot clock, right? And so like so so it used to be him just kind of like okay hoisting up the threes. Like now it's kind of like yo like I'm gonna shoot three. Now granted, obviously he's not like as good and his shooting percentage isn't down, but like but the mid range game, man, like like that has improved. I mean we've seen it on the stats, like it's improved so much more. And and his reading the defenses have has changed in this way that I haven't seen. But the thing that what I'm saying to you, we got, this is all provable stats. But dude, the clutch stats, dude, he's top five clutch NBA. Like the last two minutes, like of this season, he has made more field goals, I believe, than like almost anyone. Right? 
like almost positive, like the last five minutes of a game. Or two minutes. Probably, probably, right? two, two minutes. Yeah, probably, like, I guess probably like, Isaiah like, Thomas. Like, yeah, you don't know. No, at the rim, like he's top five. Like with yeah. John Wall, like remember, remember how much we'd be like bitching about John Wall go hero ball early in his career and so much he wanted to be like, and it feels like because he hasn't really made like the game winner winner. I guess he has like a couple ones, but like the walk off. But like, dude, he has improved so much as just like we need a bucket with 50 seconds left, a minute and a half and just go to the rim and get a layup and you forget about it. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, right. Like you forget about because you're either up one or down three or whatever, but like he does that like so much more than he ever did. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's how easy he can do it. Like they'll be down three points or down a point. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just the baskets, you know, in 10 seconds left. It's the baskets with closed, two minutes left. Yeah. They close it. Well, there's all these buckets he's closed out, which you're mentioning, but like now he's got to the point where the like, key just like, no one can stop me. I'm going to the rim. Yeah. He's able to bully his way to the rim against these smaller guys. I remember him, doing it against like Drew Holiday and it's, it's like he just decides he wants to score and he can score and that's exactly what you were saying the one downside of him before was he'd drive out of control and make yes, bad passes yes. but like so now you've taken what was his, actually his biggest weakness and it's now become his biggest strength and you see the entire team having someone like that who can score and we're not even talking about Beal who was supposed to be yes. that guy that shooter so we just have him as an afterthought it's like oh sure Beal hit a couple threes if you want and then all of a sudden you get rolling, and that's what happens like in the Cavs game when it's not just Wall, you get Beal going too. Um, so yeah, what, the, what Wall's done at the end of games is just it's it's ridiculous because it's it's just sure pure like will, and it's just his saying I'm taking over now. And for him, a guy who couldn't shoot, a guy who used to turn it over, now that mid range jumper he does when he fades like. Oh, yeah. That's like his ghost. It's, it's, it's fade away too, which is even yeah. more ridiculous. Like, yeah, he go, that's a I'm like that's a, I'm like that's a bad shot, bad shot, bad shot. And it goes in. I'm like, oh my god, right. you know, like I gotta stop complaining about that, right? Yeah. So, okay. So it's, it's, well, let's, let's say, well, here's the deal. It's like, do you like? I know you went to Detroit. Uh, let the people think. Uh, you were talking about the Detroit game earlier, but you covered the Detroit game. What was that like to be on the road and covering it as a, a T truth about it correspondent there? Uh, <laughs> well, that, that, that's why I wasn't, I wasn't going along with anything you were saying about the yes. wizards PR because yes, they I were know, nice. I know. They're so nice to you. I know. I know. They were, I know. No, they, they were nice enough. I went out there. It was the weekend of the inauguration. So I decided out to get out of DC. <laughs> good, good, decision, randomly, good decision. Good decision. Yeah. <laughs> I, I randomly, I'd never been to Detroit before. That's who was on the schedule. So I randomly said, hey, why not uh, go out there? And uh, it turns out things are pretty cheap in Detroit. So uh, not not the greatest economic uh, <laughs> situation out there. So I was able to get flights, hotel, everything free with uh, with points. So, yeah, the Wizards were nice to get me uh, a press pass you know, with the team. So I went out there. And the first thing I was surprised about is that I never traveled with the team, the palace, Auburn Hills. Like there's no Ar- 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 Auburn Hills out in the suburbs, by the way. Oh yeah, it was a you know 40 minute drive from. Uh, I was staying downtown. It was like a 40 minute drive to get out there. It felt like driving to the old uh, Cap Center uh, for a game. Well, and, anyway, I'm interrupting. Do, do you know they're playing? Yeah. Uh, they're next year. They're going to play. Uh, them and the Red Wings are playing downtown. You know yeah, that? I went by. I went by where the stadium is. I, I had I, in downtown Detroit, as you know, I had never been there, but I, so I walked around a little. And I didn't realize like they got 
I guess it's Comerica uh, uh, Park Field, whatever they the baseball. Um, they Comer- got like Comerica is a park field. It's Comerica, and then uh, the Ford Field is the Ford, Ford right next to Ford. Yeah, is, is that where they yeah. build? Is that where they're building the? Well, because they're building like the Red Wings and the uh, Pistons are going to play in the same arena downtown. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's yeah. right, it's right near there. They're calling it—I forget what it was—Detroit District or whatever yeah. district they're building. So it's going to have baseball, which football's already there. The, the Red Wings and the Pistons are right there. They got a couple like Fox Theaters there, a lot of entertainment stuff. It's like yeah. a pretty cool area that's going to be like all sports right there. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, I drove drove by there. I don't know. I kind of like having the Redskins out. You know, Landover. It's like it'd be so much nicer to have like the sports teams when you have it yeah, in the yeah, city. Yeah. Uh, it's just a nice feel. Uh, I don't keep, know. Please, keep, please. keep, keep going. I've been to Detroit. Keep going. So, like, you, right. at the arena, at the, Albert, <laughs> at the palace, at the palace. Yeah, so it's only Candace Buckner of the Washington Post who was traveling with the team. So I guess in the old days, you had a lot more people traveling. But it was – so it was just me. No, no J. Can't, Michael, no Chris Miller, no. No, no one, right? No Chris Miller, no J. Michael traveling to that game. I guess they didn't want to go to Detroit. So, so Buck, just me. So it's like Buck, Phil, Dave, and and Candace Miller. Is that the only Wizards media? Like, like, it's it, it just it's yeah it's Candace and uh, Jeremy Hyman who does the uh, yes, I like PR stuff yeah. for Washington. So it's just him. It, we were sitting. It's just her, Candace, Jeremy, and me just sitting there, like no other no other people watching the game, no other you know Wizards. Where are you people. at? Where was your seat? Uh, actually, better than. Better than where they have the bloggers at Verizon Center, and actually a little lower than where it's in the corner, but like right, right on the floor, sort of in the corner. Yeah. Uh, it, and so it's it was pretty good seats. So unfortunately, we were at the other, the other basket from where the tip in was. But but it was it's weird because it's like you have the the coach's interview, and it's just basically Candace and me and a couple bloggers, I guess from from Detroit. And then the locker room. This the strange thing was Detroit has the smallest locker room in the NBA. It was like, it it was no more than ten feet wide. It was like, like a high school it, locker room. Like, like so it's small, smaller. It, it was almost like you're walking into like 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 an SNL skit. Like I walk, I open the door, and like it hits Marcus Thornton's chair, and like <laughs> the door hits his chair. The door hits his chair. Yes. So you're standing, like you're standing there. They got the the you know with the jerseys after the bags and everything, and and, and the ice, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the locker room after the game, and people are. Because they were leaving that night to fly out, so a lot of people moving around. So you're standing there and you're, you're cramped, and the players you got to move around. And like the players are asking you to move. Beal was sitting on the sitting in his uh, locker. You know, his ankles were taped up. He has an ankle injury, and like he's asking me, "There's a box cutter on the ground, like they used to, you know, take the tape off." She was like, "Hey man, can you like can you kick that over to me?" Because it's like such small, you know, quarter. So I'm like, I'm, I'm kicking that over. So it's like, the size of my apartment right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's small. It's ridiculous. I kicked that over to Beal. And then uh, this is Marquise doing his interview. And, uh, you know, it's a, it was a big game because his brother, you know, had the tip in, you know. So, um, oh, by, 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 like, by, by the way, they pushed off, he pushed him off, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Mar- <laughs> uh, Marcus, Marcus admitted that. He admitted yeah, so that. I'm trying, yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm trying to, like, record Markeith talking, and I'm standing in front of, like, Wall. Like, he can't stand up. Like, I'm blocking Wall from being able to stand up. It's just, like, it's it's just ridiculous. Wow, so, wow, wow, um, wow. Yeah, so, like, the play, and the players weren't that happy after the, yeah. the game. And Beal was really, uh, like, he wasn't talking at all pretty much. Well, he was well, pretty well, down. well let's, let's remember what was happening with Beal yeah. right now. He, he had not made a three. He was over 20 in threes, which I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast. He had this streak where he had not made a three for like three or four games. He was over twenty. 
Which, which, yeah. you know, like he had not like what was that three or four games? I think he had made it, he was over twenty from three point range. Yeah, so we we were right right in the heart of that in Detroit. And a, lot, that game, a, lot, a lot of good looks too, by the way. Like, you know, like like well, a lot. that game was also. Keep going, keep going, that, that keep was, going. That, that was the game where he also hit his head on the ground, if you remember, it bounced oh, his yeah. head. Oh, God, I thought he got a concussion. But he's, yeah, like, he he's, like a, he's like a Wolverine. He, like, comes out. <laughs> yeah, actually, one time in the locker room, I was like, yo, dude, they call you Panda, man. I was like, yeah, man, is it cool if I call you Wolverine? He's like, yeah, you can call me Wolverine. <laughs> he told me that wrote, like, a couple years ago. <laughs> I, I, I wrote the uh, – it's probably been about four years ago now, but I wrote that, uh, that story about him being Wolverine, where Trevor Booker was making fun of him for – Fate injuries in Care Temple. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go for, yeah um, Where he gets but, carried off like Paul Pierce, and yeah. then he plays the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's, uh, yeah, he plays like sort of like the little brother. You know, he has a couple of those big, big guys. His brothers are pretty big guys. So it looks like he's one of those get beat up like all the time. You sort of have to play so, it up a little so bit. So were you able to get like interviews with these guys? Like were you right up there? It was just you and Candace? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, we were talking to. That's one of the things that impressed me the most, talking to Wall after that tip-in, after that game. Because, you know, players were pretty down. And Wall's, Wall is, was, is Wall of the best to talk to after the game. Yeah, that, so, that's, like, that's what was so great. Wall was like, listen, you know, yeah, it's, you know, we, uh, we would rather won. It's, you know, no, no one's that great. But, look, we're going to go on and, and, and start winning. And you, you see, like, the confidence he has. Like, you realize this guy is, I mean, he's a superstar in the NBA. Like, we, like Washington finally has that guy who can actually carry a team. And... You know, like in the playoffs, he's that guy where he's the best player in the series. He can win a series by himself type thing. So, like, he, he doesn't care about, like, a tip-in or, you know, anything like that. Like, he didn't care about going into the funeral game. He wasn't nervous. He doesn't care about losing to the Cavs on the last second shot. Like, it doesn't affect him the way, like, fans may think it would affect the player because because it affects us as fans when we get down. So, but talking to him and then talking to, to – after that game, Beal was real frustrated and – barely answering questions like i asked him that game he was getting held a lot and complaining to the refs so you know we asked him are you frustrated he's like nope you know candace is like what about your shooting is, is there any issue with your shooting he's like nope and you know she's like are you all right you feeling okay he's like, yeah, I, just, I just want to bless my my god my savior uh jesus christ uh what was your question adam <laughs> that's that's the that's the start of all of all interviews yeah yeah i'm, um, so, I'm sorry for those that don't know like like uh beal uh you know he thinks god before in, 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 in every interview uh adam and like here's the deal like what was your on monday night when uh our nemesis lebron james banks in a fucking shot running into the bench uh, and base it in. Where were you? What was your feelings? And what was your reaction uh, during that whole game and in that play? I was actually in my apartment. I was not at the game. I actually had a. I was actually playing in a basketball game earlier that night, so I, I actually had to watch that on tape. Although J- luckily, JCC playoffs. <laughs> it was actually a regular season game, but uh, but I don't I don't like to miss any games. And actually, okay. was Kyle Kyle was out there, right? Kyle missed it. Oh uh, yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, he was sick or something. But um, but I was I I, had, I was only a couple minutes behind, so I would caught up on, on the DVR, so it was almost real time. But yeah, I, I mean, what was your feelings though when you my, felt my that? Fault. Jesus, my. Uh, it, 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 going back like a, a second after they got the rebound and wall like hit the three pointer to the two free throws i was like okay like i'm already thinking okay they won that's 18 in a row that's it they can't yeah. be stopped you know you're ready to go like this is it um 
And so to oh, you're, go ready, from that, you're, ready, you're ready to flip the narrative, right? Like you're ready to like go into that narrative, right? Well, you're like, 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 after, you're like after, after, after LeBron traveled and they don't call it, he oh, missed the fucking Jesus layup, Christ. right? Is that the narrative? Like I was talking about Rashad in the last podcast. It's like Rashad was so fucked up about us talking about all this bullshit about like we like we went to the overtime, right? And we're not gonna talk about it. Not on top of the overtime with anyone yeah. listening because they've already listened to this. But it was like my main point was like Rashad, man, like yo, dude, if he misses that three or Markeith gets on him or Bradley Beal hugs him or it's all about how LeBron traveled, they don't call it and he misses a layup to tie it, right? Like that's where the show on Sports Center. Right? And we're gonna yeah. talk about we're gonna talk about Bradley Beal's forty one points and Otto Porter's like she's trying to have threes and John Wall's plays. Instead it's just like all about like, you know, like Oh, well, do they want to trade Kevin Love for Carmelo? And look at how great LeBron is, you know? Like, that's what the narrative ended up being on the national media. But, dude, it was so close to being the opposite. <laughs> yeah, right? I was yelling. I, I yelled the loudest on that travel. I was just like, what? That was just insane. Like, I, I, crab dribble. But, I had crab dribble memories. Keep going. Like, yeah, but that, so after that, and then, like, they also... Beal, after the travel, the players assumed it was a travel. They, Beal, like, stopped playing. So Wall got the ball. He could have even run the clock out. If he could have passed to Beal, they could have actually run it out before he was even fouled. But, but yeah, but on that shot, I mean, when I saw it, it was in the air. And, I, you know, you're just assuming. First, I was saying foul. I thought they were they would be fouling anyway, like, on the catch. But On the catch. But, yeah. And, the, but and, I, then, I and, the, and then you have, like, arguably, which I haven't really made this point, which I should have made the last podcast. Who is the best, like, <laughs> outlet passer in the NBA since maybe Wes Unsold? It's Kevin Love. You know what I mean? Like, arguably. Like, when you say Wes Unsold, what do they say? Like, oh, dude, he rebound, he's a beast, but he threw the best outlet passes. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then what do they say yeah, about but- Kevin Love? Like, he throws amazing outlet passes. And he made an unbelievable outlet pass, actually. You know, but. yeah, but I, I, I just don't know. Like, it's a fluke. Wall, it's a fluke. It's a fluke, but it's one that I mean, before Wall took that second free throw, how about we should pointing, call it? We should we call a timeout? What do you think? Like, like no, no, I, no. Well, I think Wall before he took the free throw, he stepped yes, up the line. Yes, he, and he told he told people where who to guard yeah. who, right? Yeah, so and, I don't think he needs a timeout. Well, that's here's the deal. Like, me and Rashad get the same. We'll just have the same conversation. Like. We were shot. Like, I saw him be like, who's got who? Who's got who? Like, yeah. Markeith did not get on Kevin Love fast enough. Yes. He did that, not. It, he did not, right? Was, it wasn't fast enough. And then John Wall, if you look, he was worried about Kyle Culver from 45 feet, like, by half court. But in reality, he should be like, fuck you, Kyle Culver, because there's no, t- there's only a few seconds left. Like, what was it, like, four seconds? Right? Like, 3.5. Oh, yeah. He had to cover him. It was three point four, I think. But Kyle no, could no, catch it. It's no, a few no, no, no. But like, but Corver was like literally only two sets from half court. What I'm saying. So like, so like that guy where he didn't like jump on him. But I don't know. I mean, obviously Bradley has to grab him there. But like, I feel like NBA players are conditioned not to grab anyone because of continuation, though, as well, right? Well, but but he was he caught the ball. In two should, point. And he was facing the other way, grabbing yeah, there's no, over, right? There's no issue. Or, like if or, 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 or I was just saying, like, you fight for the pass. 
Right? So, yeah. like, so like you go for the pass and you just fucking hack the fuck out of that guy yes. on the pass. That's what right? you do. Like, that's what you should do, right? And I feel like now, Bradley, what... Bradley was, like, a little bit off balance. But, like, then again, like, once again, like, come on, man. Like, how many times does LeBron James make that shot? You know what I mean? So, it's, it's really hard for me to go really too much in to criticize, even though it worked out the other way. But, like, it's also, like, hey, Falcons. It's first and ten at the twenty-two. Run the ball three times to kick a field goal. You win the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, you should never say that, but like that's what actually ended up happening. But like, what? did you think they had a chance in overtime? Is what I said. What I want to know. When Kyrie yeah. started doing his thing, I, like you know, after after fucking Uber went hit a three, like we're up five points with like three. Hey, we're up five. Three, it's like three and a half left, actually. Yeah, I thought they had it. When Uber hit that three, you have five at overtime. I thought they had it. Um, but even with what Kyrie did, I mean, it was really came down to that last three. I mean, yeah, the baseline shot was great. But, like, it was really the last three that put him up three and then Beal missed the three. That, that was really yes. the difference. We, we still went – we still matched Kyrie, basically. So, But, yeah, when they got up five, that's – when you get up five in overtime, that's when you have a chance. You take one stop and you can sort of, you know – one stop and one make, it might, you know, end it. So, 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 but, so what was your overall feeling after that? Like, after you saw that he banks in the three, we're getting so much attention, we're on ESPN, Sports Center, everyone's talking about us. But then also, to tell you the truth, which I felt, maybe I didn't say it as much on the last podcast with Shaw, but, like, it's like, we got Barkley, we got, we got, I mean, I think Tony Kornheiser now, uh, we have, uh, Aldridge, we have all these people who are just like, this wizard seems pretty good. <laughs> it's like, it's like, all of a sudden these national opponents will be like, yo, LeBron hit that bank shot. Let's talk about LeBron. The Cavs win. And, you know, let's talk about like, you know, fake news or what, what the fuck LeBron said about the, the report about trading Kevin Love. And like, that's, that's the stuff. But if you actually keep talking, I was listening to na- national media people for the most part. They were like, oh, the, Wizards are good? You know what I mean? They, they, everyone's just like, dude, they're pretty good. Like, Otto Porter still plays for the Wizards? Like, he can't miss. Like, Bradley Beal and John Wall, I thought they hated each other, but they're really good together. Like, I literally listened to that on the national media, right? Even though in, and, in, 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 a, in a loss, right? Like in a, in, So it's like, it's, it's weird because like it is like technically a moral, you know, victory per se, but like the narrative... Even even a loss had really changed uh, about the Washington Wizards. Yeah, and people were also nationally talking about wanting to see a Washington Cleveland playoff matchup. So that yes, was all yes, the talk. Yes, yes, yes. So that's yeah. So you can see how quickly Stephen Stephen Smith, NBA TV, like like all over the place, right? Yeah, I mean everybody was saying that this is I, universally. Everyone says that was the best regular season game, and. It wasn't because it's just because of LeBron's shot. Oh, Take dude. LeBron's shot out of it. Oh, the fourth and quarter, it, the last six minutes of the fourth quarter was incredible. I, yeah, mean, so I, I, just, I mean, like, LeBron hit three fucking threes. Corvette hit three. Yes. Otto's hitting a three. Beal's hitting a three of the guys in his face. Wall's going to the rim. Marquise tipping, which was, gets overlooked, was, was, was incredible. I mean, I mean, it was, it was, uh, like, it was one of those things where, like, you're right. Like, I felt like it wasn't so much like, 
my feelings afterwards weren't that, oh my God, like people will finally respect us as a basketball team, which is usually half the time I'm bitching about on this podcast or writing about. But it's like, as a fan, I was like, yeah, man, like this team was pretty good and we lost to some fluke ass bullshit. And like, this isn't make believe, you know, like this isn't me wanting to be good. Like, because all these players, not just one player, Wall, Beal, Markeef, Gortat, like Otto, like everyone made huge plays in clutch in clutch time, and the arena was going nuts, right? I mean, like that's how I felt. Like that was great. Uh, like I, I want to get you going. Uh, but what I want to talk about is that you you become a celebrity uh, <laughs> well. per se. I, I, and so I don't know what game it was, but I've heard a rumor. Uh, I don't speak. Uh, I don't speak Czech, Mister uh, Mister Adam. I don't want to be called Adam Rubin. Maybe I'll call you uh, uh, some Czech name. But you, wh- wh- where did this start? I mean, did we? Do we? We had a. Was it free Saddy or free Sado? Before I go in, was it free Saddy? Was the hashtag? Sato, free Sato. Free Sato, okay, not Sato. Okay, okay. Okay, free Sato was the hashtag, and it was about, you know, Thomas Sadoransky, uh, you know, from the Czech Republic, you know, you know, same country of Jan Vesely, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, it showed some promise early season. We drafted him back in the day. Obviously, I wanted to draft uh, Jay Crowder or, uh, you know, Draymond. I, I have to throw that out there, but we let him simmer. I follow his career. As much as I bitch about that draft pick, I would always be like, well, dude, yo, man, this guy's so awesome game. He went to, you know, to high end in Spain, came over, can dunk. He's a, he's a true point guard. I felt like he still should, should be the backup point guard. You know, they, they get Trey Burke. Uh, so, you know, we, we have those complications, but you know, and he, you know, and you can speak to me where you think Sadoransky's season has been. I, I felt like he's felt promise early on. Sat, he's came back a little bit. I think he's kind of a little bit misused. But uh, the Czech media shows up at the Wizards locker room. And for some reason, uh, you get interviewed in the Czech locker room. Or, I'm sorry, the Wizards locker room by Czech media about Sadoransky, about this hashtag. This is what I've heard. Tell me the story. Well, uh, that's, that is correct. Uh, I, I guess it was in October in the preseason. So I started, uh, using the, the hashtag free shadow in the preseason. Um, mainly because, I mean, Saturday was playing so well as a point guard and they, the team was going to use Trey Burke. You could see they were going to start the season with Trey Burke. And I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Trey Burke's not a point guard and Saturday is good. Um, so I started, I started the free shadow hashtag and, I wrote an article early in the year, I think like after the second game, about Sadoransky and how they need to start playing him. And that got translated <laughs> in, to, to the Czech, Czech Republic. How does that pop? Yeah. So the, to, so the, the, Czech, Google, the Google machine, like, just spit that out? Is that what happens? Well, no, no, no. Someone wrote, no, no, it wasn't just translated. Not, not the people read the truth about it post translated. Someone in the Czech media wrote a story about the fact that I'm in the U.S. writing this story with like excerpts from it, like Adam Rubin wrote this and Adam Rubin says this, like treating it. Let me interrupt. Like he's the only person in the NBA from Czech Republic, correct? Right? 
Yeah, I guess, uh, yes. Yes, right? So this is a big deal. Keep going, keep going. Yeah, right? so, right. so, so, so that was, that was translated early, early on in the season. And one of the guys who writes for, for our website and our Czech correspondent, Lucas Kuba, who yeah. he forwarded that to us. I'm not monitoring the Czech media. He forwarded that article. I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and so that was that. That was back in November. And, you know, I've used the free Sato hashtag. I guess other people, you know, have used it online. Um, I, usually I point out the different things that Trey Burke does that Sato could do better. But, um, so people had talked to him about it a little bit, Sadoransky about the hashtag and, and about his nickname here, I guess, whether it should be Sato or Sadie. But anyway, fast forward to last week, uh, there was a lot of Czech media that flew over here for the week of the four, the four home games, uh, <laughs> starting, starting with the Knicks game. So they had TV. They had the Czech- Ad- Adam, Adam, I'm so happy that you're so plugged into the Czech media. But- well, keep going, t- keep this, going. This is, this is all stuff I've learned, obviously, after the fact. I didn't know beforehand. But that the Czech, Czech TV was here, the guy from the Czech Basketball Federation was here, TV, radio, a bunch of guys, like six or seven guys. And apparently I was covering the Knicks game, and I saw Andrew Sharp there, who's you know from Grantland and now Sports Illustrated, but who's a, a big Wizards fan. And he said that at shoot-around, the media was asking around for who started the free Sato hashtag. So – he said, you know, he'd point me out like <laughs> that that evening. So at the Knicks game, I, I ran into these guys. I was talking to them and uh, just talking about Sadoransky. And they said, talking about the hashtag, they said, hey, we'd like to we'd like to interview you. So I was like, oh, sh-. you know, I was asking them questions. They said, OK, but can we ask you questions? So I was like, OK, sure. No problem. And so we ended up <laughs> what, what you were talking about is at the Lakers game. The next game, I'm in the locker room at the postgame uh, interviews. And I guess like Wall was being interviewed or Beal or somebody. And then the Czech media said they wanted to start you know, ask me some questions. So I'm now standing in the locker room while the players are being interviewed. Like Marquise <laughs> is talking so you have the media around those guys. You know, it's a big scrum around those guys. Then you got like four or five people standing around me, like holding microphones out, you know, talking to me about, you know, not just the hashtag, but just, you know, watching Sadoransky, you know, how he's been doing there. Because I talked to him a lot, or not a lot. I've talked to him a few times just about his experiences in, in D.C. So, like, so Ben Standig and – like Chase Hughes from Comcast, are like standing there, like looking at me, like what the hell is going on? You know, like people are just like, what, like why, why is to get a, a blogger there, like being interviewed? And um, and then the check. I want a photo. Of, I want a photo of this. <laughs> like, 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 I want a video, a photo of like literally the Wizards media interviewing like people by the locker room, and like you being interviewed by the like, check media. Well, Ch- yeah, Chase, Chase, uh, Chase was at Chase Hughes was asking if there was a, a photo. I, I but, 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 for anyone listening to this, like this never happens like, ever. Like, keep going, keep going, Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very, uh, yes, it's 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 never happened before, and certainly, uh, it would be very strange for anyone in there in the locker room, like seeing like what's happening, and like I'm sitting there talking in the locker room about how like I think Sadoransky should be getting some minutes and playing point guard as opposed to Trey Burke, and like. Yeah, I don't know where Trey Burke is. He's probably a few feet away from me. So I'm like, I'm looking around like, okay, gotta, you know, be careful about what I say. But, but then the Czech TV's there. So they want to interview me. So now they turn like a camera on. So now I'm standing in the locker room. Like, with the the camera, camera on me. Camera. So now, now there's like a camera interviewing me in the locker room. So now I'm like getting a little concerned because I'm like, this is not, you know, it's not the normal environment to be doing this. Um, but luckily like, it was like it was, Wizards PR is giving me like a side eye. Like, what's going on, Adam? No, it, it wasn't. It, as, as odd as it looked, it wasn't what, what, did you, I was, what did you say? I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. What did you say to the Czech media about Tomas? The free Tomas the, the hashtag. Well, they were 
asking mainly about I told him how I why I used the freestyle hashtag, why I came up with it, but just talking about his as someone who watches the game, just somebody who's who's spoken to him and his adjustment to the NBA and 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 where you think how you think a season's been where going. Is, so where far. is Tomas during this, by the way? Where is he Tomas <laughs> Yes, that, that was another that was, that, was, that was another uh thing that made it funny was like this the media, like a whole scrum of like five or six people had just interviewed him. And then like I'm standing like five feet away, so then like they, it's turned on to me. So so yeah, he was there, like and he was there. Like, as, like, uh, as as I was talking. So I haven't yet seen th- there's a couple articles that again, Lucas, uh our our guy, uh Czech uh, correspondent, he sent me a couple articles that that <laughs> that the, the media who were there who were interviewing me wrote about you know that interview mainly about the the yeah, what, 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 did, what did they write about this yeah what never well, happened about this interview google the google translated <laughs> but from what, what i could tell from what i could piece together there's the you, you, it, need, you it, need a you need a check translator is what you're saying well lucas, lucas is supposed to be working on it but from what i could tell it, it I, i'm i'm uh you know announced as the author the author of free sato and and then just going into like what my what my thoughts are in terms of uh his, Adam his, like, his, like, his Adam like like you might be like the most like like you are the contact of uh you're the American contact for a whole country of basketball fans. Uh, I mean, was there any Jan Vesely questions at all? By the way, yeah. Well, I was asking. I actually was asking them about Jan because I was interested about like them following Sadoransky and how it's been with. Uh, do they do the same thing with Jan Besley and how big are they in the country and do they show like Wizards games on TV and stuff like that? And they um, <laughs> they said that there was some there's a lot of coverage about Jan in the beginning of this, but then once he started not playing too well, it sort of it sort of died down. So yeah, there wasn't much excitement for for Jan Besley, but um, but I think. With Sadoransky, with the, with the minutes aren't that great, well, so we say it's, it's well, more of a hockey country. This, so let's, let's talk about Sadoransky, like for our Czech people that that like, you know, I look at I look at the numbers sometimes, and like I have like people that listen to this podcast from Poland, or you know the Polish correspondent Bart, who's probably listening. What's up, Bart? And they, there will be people from, you know, foreign countries. Sometimes, like, I'll have, like, someone on my podcast that listens to this from, like, Cutter. I'm like, who the fuck is listening from Cutter? Yeah, uh, don't meet the Cutter fans. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What I want to know to you is, like, let's talk about, let's talk about Tomas right now, currently, before we go. Yeah. Uh, what, your thoughts on him? I mean, maybe this is your thoughts that you would say in the locker room with all these people, which I find hilarious, but, like, do uh, what was your take on him per se as a player before uh, we uh, before we talk about like how it can be used better or worse or whatever like just just overall? I'll give you a American media exclusive. Yeah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Let's do it. Well, uh, Staderanski is good now. He isn't getting the minutes, so it's not translating yet on the court, but. From what just from what you've seen in the preseason and the few times he's been able to run the point, like he is a legitimate, uh, he's a legitimate, he's a pure passing, you know, pass first point guard. Obviously, his shot isn't 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 there now, but I was very impressed with the way he was able to run the offense and specifically with Gortat running pick and rolls in the preseason. I mean, his timing 
was was very good in his ability to hit the angles and set his man up to to sort of open up passing lanes. Uh, I mean, is real impressive. I mean, he's at a level now where he can play. He can be a backup point guard in the NBA. He can get minutes being a being a backup. And with his height and his ability to get to the rim, he's crafty finishing around the rim. So, I mean, I think he's good. And I think that he's, I mean, obviously the shot is what he needs to work on. But, but getting ahead to where what you were saying in terms of how he needs to be used, I mean, I think he's not being played a point guard right now. And that's, that's the issue. I mean, the, the, the one thing is obviously Wall's playing 37 minutes a game. There aren't many point guard minutes available. But, but he's playing in the backcourt with Trey Burke. And what kills me is that he's, they're not playing him as a point guard when he's in the backcourt with, Trey Burke and they're not letting him bring the ball to the court they're not letting him initiate the offense so sometimes he gets the ball sometimes he doesn't and I I've, I've talked to him about that and I've said you know it looks like sometimes after a made basket you sort of come back to get the inbounds pass but it goes to Trey Burke instead and I said is there a, a division of labor does the coach tell you who's supposed to bring the ball up and he says no and he was like at least frustrated like it's just whatever whoever gets it gets it so it's I think it's he's not being used properly because of his his skill is as a pure point guard when you play him as a shooting guard or a small forward i understand he has to play that sometimes because of the rotations and because of there's not enough minutes but that's not a good use of having a non-shooting small forward on the court that's not a good use of his skills so when he's on the floor i think he needs to be playing point guard he needs to bring the ball up the court they should treat him the same way they treat john wall he's the point guard so when he's out there let him bring it up let him on the offense, get the ball out of Trey Burke's hands. And this is, I think it's important for now just to have that guy on the court, but it's also important because there's no other point guard on the roster. We, we're, we're seeing John Wall play every game. If he misses a game, Sadoransky's going to be the starting point guard. They're going to start Sadoransky, not Burke. So you got to get him minutes now and get him comfortable because you're going to need him down the stretch. He's the only other point guard on the roster. What, so what, I really. What, what, what do you think? What do you think that uh, Scott Brooks is like reluctant to do that? Well, I, not just Scott I Brooks, the coaching staff in general. Well, I think even though they've I, I been don't. flexible, even though they've been flexible on, the, on this, yeah. by the way. The, I I know. I, I just in one game. I I remember the Detroit game. I asked Brooks about that. I, I actually, man, how, about, how about this, Adam? Is this what I should ask Scott Brooks on tomorrow night? Uh, I'm covering the I'm covering the Pacers <laughs> game, and Scott Brooks is. I'll sit there and I'll be like, Scott Brooks, um, question, like. Uh, so, uh, Sadoransky, do you see him better as a point guard on the second unit or off the ball or, uh, or how about this? How about, how what would be the question, Adam? Like, hear me out. Like, what would I say? I'd be like, Hey coach, do you feel that, um, like the way that, that Trey Burke scores off the ball and has been more successful with John Wall, do you feel like that Tomas should be the point on the second unit and Trey coming off off the off the bench. You know, like and the thing is, Randy Whitman would tell me to fuck <laughs> off. He would tell me to fuck off. And like and Scott Brooks might actually answer that if I articulate that question better than I just said that, right? Yeah, I mean he'd answer it. I mean and Whitman would just he wouldn't even acknowledge the premise of your question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But right but, but I the, the premise answer, is I, the premise is there though, right? I mean yeah, that's the one thing that's a mystery to me. I don't. I mean, I love everything Brooks is doing. That's the one thing because in the second unit, like Burke has, they've already decided Burke's not a point guard. Like but, Scott but, and, and, said, Burke, like, and here's the deal, dude. Burke's got buckets. Burke can get yes, buckets, he, right? Like he can still hit the three, create his own dribble. But like when it comes to 
comes to run the offense, and we saw that, uh, you know, early on that the Cleveland game where he was just he was, he was just spazzing out like he can't. The same with the Lake, the Lakers game as well. Last night, I know I put up one one video like a uh, about last night, just Burke just throwing the ball out of bounds to, to Sadoransky. So it's like it's the it makes sense for both players. But, but, but the thing is, but the thing is, it's almost the opposite. Adam is in the sense that like when like I remember I, even the funeral game. That there was a time where like the ball would get swung, Boston playing defense and swing it, and like there is Sadoransky open in the corner three, and he didn't take it. You know what I mean? And it's like yeah, it's it, like because it, you know, it's like he's not a shooter, right? But if it's Trey Burke, you know what I mean? Like and it wasn't like okay, it's not like okay when he plays with John Wall, I understand. But there, but if John Wall's if John was on the court. If John was on the court, like Sadoransky should have the ball in his hands, right? That's all. Yes, that's that's all I'm saying. I understand. Like, there's going to be times where he's in the corner playing small forward, it, it, and he plays aggressively. He goes for offensive rebounds. He does that stuff off the ball. It's just it's it's a small thing. It's a minor thing, but it's just for those few minutes when they're on the court together to maximize his talent, but also to help him for the future when he's going to need to be that backup point guard. There's going to be a game where he's going to come in and he's going to be starting a game as a point guard, and you'd like to have his confidence. His confidence would just be a little bit better, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one of his big issues right now is the lack of confidence because he's not – if you think about it, he's used to in, in in Spain, like, running, being the point guard in the team. Think about it. How many For how many seconds has he actually done that in any of these last few games? Even when he plays 10 minutes or so, it's like, what, he gets three or four possessions maybe where he brings the ball off the court. So the rest he's just running around, you know – at other points on the floor where he's just, he's not comfortable. So, so I think that would help with his, well, his he, confidence. But I think it's, here's the other thing, Adam, is like what I would like to see is that I would like to see him get good so we can trade him and Ubre. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't want to, don't want to like, but like, I feel that we're obviously going to give, give Ubre the max. I mean, I Ubre the max. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Auto the max. And this will have Otto, Beal, and Wall, and Gortat, and, you know, and Marquise for another year or two, I think. Gortat's got one more. Two. But, like, yeah, yeah. But, like, here's the deal. It's like, he's going to work out, and then Mahimi does whatever. And, but, like, I would like to see us, like, maybe finally develop some of these young players to trade them. <laughs> it was just so weird because, because what happens is, like, when young players get good, fans are always like, yeah, man, they're gonna be the best ever, right? And I, I'm like, okay, I get that. But it, it means it's weird because, like, as Wizards fans, we've never had that. We've always traded at low, right? Like, think about all the players we've ever had ever in the last, you know, ten or fifteen years. We trade them at their nadir, and I don't know, dude. Like, I kind of want to have like Tomas and Ubre to have some talent. They promise to then maybe package them for something better. Is, is that wrong of me? Like, I mean, I don't know who the package is for that, but like, well, yeah. the only issue, the, the only issue with that is because if you do max out Otto, you got Wallbill Otto. We have, no, 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 no. By the way, that's what's happening. But, you know, no, no, but so, yeah. but, but the issue is when you have a team like that, top heavy in the front court and, and the back court and the small forward. You, you have need to get to a big have, guy, big guy, young athlete, no, but you big also, guy. Right? You also need guys. You need guys on cheap contracts. So, yeah, yeah. You need, if if Sadoransky, or forget Sadoransky for a second, if Ubre, Ubre is going to be a rotation player, which he is, he makes no money. 
and he's not going to make any money for the next two years. No money relative, obviously, in the NBA. So when you have a guy, you could, a, a, a rotation player, you can slot in at that low of a salary. That's kind of those are the kind of guys you need to make it work when you have Wallbeal and Otto maxed out. So yes, you could trade if you traded Ubre and Sadaransky, uh, you know, and you brought in someone. You're talking about bringing in another top seven player. You need to replace the Ubre with another cheap contract. So it's, it's tough to and we've drafted the, we've drafted shitty, so it's hard on the back end, right? Right, and that's see the problem is. Ubre looks like he's he's good. He's, he's a rotation player in the draft. The problem was back a few years ago but when I'm, the guys you're. I'm not high on Ubre actually. If we keep going, well, but I should say he's he's a whether you're high future wise. He right now is the sixth man. You know he's playing. He's a rotation player. He's playing a spot in the rotation, playing significant minutes. He's 21 years he old. He's 21 years old. Like second year. Like yeah. I can't be too. I can't hate hate. He's actually doing his. He's doing better than I expected. To tell the truth. Right. Oh, yeah. But the other. So when you have a first round pick like that, you want to either get a guy who can play a rotation bit piece or somebody you could trade. But the problem is when they trade, when they drafted like Seraphin and yes. Booker traded for Jordan Crawford, all those years, they had mid round picks, which all walked for nothing. They got no value. Oh, I know. Out of it. Oh, I so, know. We they, traded John Vesley. So, we had to give up a second round pick to get rid of John Vesley. No one, no one remembers that. But like we had to do that by the way, to Denver. Yeah, and that I mean that's so so when you're getting no return on that, that's why like an Ubre, if you keep hitting on these first round picks, then you can flip an Ubre. But once you say you flipped Ubre, what did there's there's not that much uh left. Then you're really counting on Sadoransky. I mean I look I like Sadoransky, but look, he's this is the first year, he hasn't played that many minutes. We're not at the point where we can count on him. Uh, okay, well let's go let's go to the future. Let's go to the future to finish this podcast. So like it's mm-hmm. it's it's apparent that we need a backup for and and maybe Mahimi, which, well, maybe we'll, t- actually, to tell the truth, maybe we'll talk about your piece, which is really good about Jan Mahimi interviewed all his people. So maybe touch on that. But like, yo, bro, like, do you think that, um, is it really just like we need like a John Wall or another guard to back this up? Or do you see Jan Mahimi getting healthy? Or do we need a, do we need a, like a stretch four to make this happen, to make a run here for the Eastern Conference? What, what's, I mean, I what's, your, you, what's, what's your thoughts right now? I mean, I think you would want a a power forward. I, mean, I, I just think this Brooklyn game was just scary with Markeith out. I mean, looking at like what they were left with. I mean, I like what Jason Smith did, but I mean, Mahimi's not going to help that. I mean, he's he's a center. So well, they, Mahimi and Gortat can't play together. I mean, that's 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 a crutch right there, right? Right, but. Jason Smith has shown he is able to play a little bit with Gortat or with Mahimi, but you saw like what happened with uh, Bogdanovich. Uh, they just switched on the pick, and then he just, he was just going around and dunking on yeah, on yes, Jason Smith. Yes. So he can't. And also Booker obviously was was taken over. And, so and, and Uber's Uber not strong enough though, too, yeah. right? Right. Well, not just, he's not, not. He's not as brute strength that like Markeith has, though. No, 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 no. It's not even a. It's not even any an auto. I mean, it's, auto just gets knocked around yes, by Kevin Wall. Well, by Trey. You're right. You're right. Right. So, so there is no power forward. I mean, this is a major problem. There's no Markeith missed a game, and there was no, Bogdanovich almost just won the game by himself. Yes. And, and Booker Multiple almost just won the game Multiple simply times. because. Yes. Yeah, so it's like it, it, it's a major hole in the roster, and that, and and obviously it's because. They signed Andrew Nicholson, and he's a, a human DNP. So, I mean, it's it's 
that's a major problem which needs to be fixed now uh, you know i don't know if there's a, a drew gooden out there actually drew gooden is out there but uh a drew gooden out there who could come in and actually be that sort of surprise piece but again that's that's sort of going back to the very beginning those are the storm clouds that we were concerned about in the beginning like what do you do there there's there are major holes in the roster which have not been recognized because the starting fives have played so well and so many minutes but that and have someone who is a backup point guard who they're comfortable letting wall sit for a few minutes they just don't have it they brought wall back in against brooklyn they couldn't even close out brooklyn without bringing wall in so you need a point guard if you're not going to trust Sadoransky, you need somebody who can run who you trust i mean call one of the rookies right and bring someone in i mean it's it's apparent i don't know who the that is spot, right the spots are there the roster spots are there there's there's Oshefu can go. Uh, House can be, you know, can go. I mean, they, they have the spots that they wanted to. It's just I don't know what they're. Uh, you have to figure everything in Ernie Grunfeld's DNA says that they will pick up a veteran, you know, like a Jared Jack. Is he, is he in like tra- a first round pick and 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 fucking drive me up a fucking wall or no? That depends if someone's willing to take Mahini in the oh, pick. God. I mean, they, they, oh, God. yeah, I know. That's the other problem. It's like, it was like, yo, dude, this trade for Mello. Like, and I was like, well, first of all, I don't know if I really want Mello, but like, if we want Mello, we have to trade like all these other people that, that they don't want <laughs> to make the salary work. So like, no. Right. Plus he's a, he's a free agent, I think. And then what are you going to do? Is he trading for him to what? Sign yeah. him to a mul- a max contract next year to, no. Um, and let Otto walk and sign him. Uh, yeah. No, but, um, no, 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 no. Well, let's go back to Otto. What's your, what's your take on Otto? Yeah, yeah, right? We have to sign him, right? Yeah, Otto has... No, no, no. Do Otto, you, you know, you know, you know, like, I want your take on that. Like, yeah or nah? Yes, Otto will... Otto will be signed to a max contract. We will sign him to a max contract. Okay, I, okay, okay. Do you, my do, you only, think, do you think that's a, do you think it's a good idea... Or that's just like, what is the market with what we have to do, right? Yeah, the, the only problem, Washington's getting a little bit screwed because Otto has the most value to Washington. Some other that's, stupid team out there would play in the max, but Otto on that's another... How that's how we're fucked, right? Otto right, on another team is not worth it. Right? Yes, but Brooklyn, if Brooklyn said you know, whatever rumors that they're interested, but if Brooklyn gives Otto the max, it would be a horrendous contract. It'd be a huge disappointment. And he's not a number yeah, one option. He averaged like twelve points a game, right? Right, like, like seven rebounds or whatever. But on the Wizards, he would like be like what he's doing this year, right? Right. So we're pay- we're gonna have to pay the full overblown price to keep a guy who's. But if we let him walk, we let him great. walk. We let him walk. We have five million dollars to to pay for his replacement. Five million. Yeah. That's it. That's who the, the fuck. Who yeah. the fuck are we gonna That's- get for five million dollars? Next year, that's you know that's the problem. You, you have twenty million. I mean, I'm, not even, I'm not even joking. Like that's it, right? Like almost positive. Like like we let yeah. Otto walk. Now I know. Granted, down the line, I'm just saying, like next year, like and you know, like in the salary cap, like we literally will have five million dollars. But if we sign Otto to the max, then we're good. <laughs> I mean, not good, I mean, good, but like that's how it like works, man. <laughs> I think yeah, I think you have to just. Sign him and then hope um, that you can do. Well, and also like there's ways you can, you know, you got to get another piece. You have a first round pick um, this year. Say they get a decent first round pick. Then you can trade, you know, see if you can do a trade or something to get a, 
another piece. But yeah, if you let Otto go and you're not going to replace him, that's just. It's not like we're gonna, we're, gonna like Durrell, we're gonna like Darrell Wright for like four million dollars or like you know or like whoever like his his little item is like do you think that um like Ted Leonis is not gonna let Otto walk right? The only issue, the only issue is that I believe signing Otto the max is gonna put him in the luxury tax area, and I don't ooh, know how you get ooh, under. Ooh, 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 ooh. You know what? That's my one of my favorite topics. That's, like, keep going. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. I don't see how you can avoid the tax without dumping either Mahimi or I don't even know if Nicholson will do it because you still have to bring in a rookie and you still have to. Well, you still have to pay sign. that money even if we cut him, though. It still counts. Yeah, right? I guess they stretch. I mean, I, I'm assuming that you're going to give him away with a draft pick. Some, somehow we'll get rid of him, you know, by trading a, a draft pick. Um, well, you know, yeah, he's, I, he's like three year. I mean, he's four year at 26. So, so this year. Whatever, and then and then Mahimi's at four years, sixty four million, and and Smith, I guess, is like three he's fine now. Three, yeah, three, three years. years. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Smith, the Smith sign actually is okay. He's a steal. He's a yeah. steal. Oh God, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm actually saying good things about him. And he doesn't know. Like in a month now from now, we'll let Mahimi go, and of course I might wear down. I Mahimi mean, might come in or whatever. Right? Like things will change. But we got, I mean, I feel like if this chemistry between Otto, Beal, and Wall, and that's what Ted Leonsis wants to do, like, I think that's what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I think he's going to max and then give directions to avoid luxury tax, which, which that's this, where I think wait, we're going to end up. Yeah, this is where I'm, this is the next podcast in the offseason where I, like, go on him being a cheap ass and shit and say, like, yo, dude, you want to say you want to be a, like a championship? team that like you gotta go with the luxury tax because I've been waiting to say that Adam I've been waiting to go in but like there's never been an argument for me right I've never been to be like we are a top three or four team in the conference to be like yo man we need a Kyle Culver right we need a Chan Fry J.R. Smith we, we need like some like you know who got cut the other day Derek Williams like, I know it's, like we need like this extra piece to be like Yo, we're gonna go for it, like Jason T- Terry or like whoever, some random player, or Terry the be like, "Well, I am now four million over the cap. That cost me eighteen million or whatever it is, right? Like it's a penalty, right? And so he's always been against the penalty. I agree, but he also will never answer to me if like he was ever willing to do that if they had a legitimate shot for the title. But, dude, like, yo, bro, like, Celtics, I think we beat the Celtics, the fucking Raptors are struggling, we've already destroyed the Raptors, and the Cavs are, can, I mean, the Cavs will probably win, but they're a mess. I mean, like, it's not like you're like, oh my god, like, there is this, like, like five, four or five teams that the Wizards have no shot at beating a seven-game series, right? Like, I, I can't, I can't honestly make you that this is the argument for something to go over the luxury tax. But if we keep Otto and we keep getting good, then that argument's going to come to fruition at some point. Is what I'm saying, right? Well, yeah. It's that, it, assuming the season, <laughs> it's a big assumption. It goes yeah. as it's going. Even if they could lose in the second round, as long as it's a, um, hopefully they get a two or three seed and avoid Cleveland. But but they have an epic series against Boston and lose in the second round. Whatever it is, it's going to come this off season where I, I just don't see how you can let Otto walk. And he and won't. Sell that. He, and he won't. He won't. 
actually. No, but and then but on the flip side is, I and think, they, and, they, gonna, and, they, and they'd be cheap on the back end, right? Is what we're saying, right? Well, I think he's going to have to get rid of. You're going to have to give up something to get rid of a bad contract. I think you'd have to get rid of the, the first pick to. to oh dump a God, 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 God! Don't, 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 don't see Adam. That's what happens. Like you, you, uh, know, but, you know, my grail of getting rid of picks. I mean, it's the same thing as like what happens now. It's like. Yo, bro, like, yeah, we might be, we might not beat Cleveland, but we can beat Toronto and the and the Celtics if we give a pick next year, right? Yeah, right? I, I mean, you know I, what I mean, I like, would... and, and, you know, like, and I'd be like, no, don't give him another first round pick. But then if it's like, yo, we need this, which is true empirically, correct? And then it's like we're gonna make a run, but then you're like, well, what is it really the run? Like, the run is to like. But then next year, LeBron's a little older. You know what I mean? Like Kyrie might be Kyrie, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter might be able to take those motherfuckers in seven games, right? Like you know what I'm saying? Like I mean, I mean not per se, but like like LeBron's reign can't go on forever. And the Wizards, if they're there, battle tested, might be the next ones to take it. I know everyone listening to this is all excited, but. Uh, is that? Do you feel any of that? And and I need to let you go because we gotta go to bed. But <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sorry, I took going forever. But keep going. I think yeah, I think that I mean the, the it's a couple of weeks to the trading deadline, and I think that what you're saying is correct. That there's going to be a player out there who, if we traded the first pick and Andrew Nicholson, there's gonna be some team that's looking to dump someone like a Marquise Morris. They'd be hectic. He'd be a rotation player. He'd approve the team. Like everything would, you know, check out. He would make Washington better this year and everything. And it's going to be hard, I think, for Grunfeld to to not pull the trigger, um, just given his history. But but yeah, I don't. I, I mean, if, if the season plays out as it's playing out now, then and Washington is looked at as a team of the future. I, I don't see how you can you can shortchange. I mean, you got to in signing Otto. You got to. You you have you have to go all in, but I just don't see him paying the luxury tax. That's the only thing. I know, so I know, I know right? <laughs> so that that's where, to me, I would think it should be like a fireable offense. If if we're in a position where we have to give up picks to dump contracts, those contracts were just signed last summer. Yeah, like yes, if, know, if you have know, to give away, I know. A, I know. So. But but I think it's gonna be. But if that's the move to get us to like in the final four, though, bro, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's a tough one, right? Yeah. So I, well, you have to see what is gonna come, what type of player is gonna come available. But if there's a a team that's looking to dump, you know, someone at a at a Markeith Morris level, uh, I mean, it's kind of it's it's it, it's it's still hard to say no, especially when you look at the odds of these first round picks hitting. Um, cause you know, they always do like we traded the first round pick, but then look who that first round pick was like Gortat's better than him. Uh, yeah. and Marquise Morris is better. You know what I'm saying? So it's, that's only, so it's, I think what you have to do just for you uh, emotionally is you just got to let this season ride. We have who we have, see where it takes you and worry about, worry right, about Adam, the facts. Yeah. Right, Adam, I have one more question before you leave. Answer it really shortly. Are we going to win 50 games? Uh, you like that? You like that? I came yeah. out of nowhere on your ass. I came. I, I snuck that up, up on you, didn't I? I'm check. I'm checking. Do you want? Do you think? Do you I, think? Do you yeah, think? Do you I'm, think you won fifty? 
Yeah, I was glancing at the schedule. I say yes. I think the projections are off in terms of like. So what is it? So we're we're thirty one and twenty one. So that means there's uh, thirty one oh. games left. So that means we have to go in nineteen, 19. and twelve. Yes. Now, yeah, I mean, look, the the, the schedule is very road heavy at the end, but that's not as big of a problem anymore now that, now that they're winning on the road. Plus, at the end of the season, teams rest players. There's a lot of fluke things happen. Nineteen to twelve, yeah, the way they're playing, nineteen to twelve would obviously be great. But yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think they can do that. Just judging by how they've been playing. Uh, right, okay. I'm, I'm gonna record this. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot. But Adam. Thank you so much, dude, for joining me. We we went off for a long tangent, and we didn't get into uh, some other funny-ass shit. And I'll get you back on. Uh, anything else to say to the people about anything in this team? <laughs> you have any messages for this team before we go? Message of uh, peace and love? Uh, no, listen, just I don't know when you're going to air this thing, but hopefully the Indiana Pacers game is yeah. another victory moving them in the right direction. Uh, cool, cool. That is uh, Mr. Adam Rubin, who hates his name, but I love my name, but he, he's great. <laughs> uh, uh, thank, you, thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, go Wizards. Peace out. Look, Cuban on my wrist, Cuban on my neck, your girl on X, money talk, she on the phone, now we having phone sets, never duck in front of you peon, I ain't full yet, kept it real since the begun, I ain't told yet, I done finally got my muscle up, you know I'm gon' flex, people rooting for the hustler, I think I'm on next, at your neck, I don't get tired, I ain't gon' rest, you gotta play your cards right, them jack boys on deck, I gotta keep the fan on, you know them girls gon' sweat, I'm tryna put my man on, but he ain't came home yet, Call that black, but my whole red, she get her own bread. I hit your girl with the pole, now she walking bowling. Dirty drink, it's that pro mouth, ain't sipping more I'm just trying to stay focused, ain't trying to go fair. You turn cold when the heat on, I know you gon' melt. I be smoking broccoli, they say it's good for your health. Now I'm good, I don't need your help, I do all myself. I know you don't really love me, you just loving my wealth. It's look cold at the funnest kid, walking like a lit, hitting lips. Now I'm dropping hit, mouthpiece cost a brick. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. All she wanted was to take a pit, but now she getting hit. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. Uh. Popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. All she wanted was to take a pit, but now she getting hit. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. Popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. Box, but I'm coming out swinging. Watch 200, so I'm coming out blinging. Something like the wind can't touch, just hit me. Suckers can't see me, but the damn show feel me. They say Gucci man gone to rap game, ain't nothing. Soon as he left the cold price, start jumping. Walk around the club like I walked around the yard. Nigga, I'm the trap girl, you trying to look hard. I never, ever, ever ask the police to protect me. Never, ever, ever let a rapper disrespect me. Yeah, something from Gucci man, gun. Clapping gon' happen. Pull the cap to the cap and see my bullets tap dancing. Wow. Popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. All she wanted was to take a pit, but now she getting hit. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. Popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. All she wanted was to take a pit, but now she getting hit. In the club, popping in a bit, vibing with my clip. Popping in a bit, vibing with my clip.